If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Sex Caliber Bones a lot. Madeline, Edward, Sunzi, Alyssa, Vixen, Holly, Natasha, Laura, Boezy, Jeremy, Allie, Mr. Rage Bomb, Libby West, Dreskel, Aaron, Kristen, Tia, Jonathan, Isaac, and Karun. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, do so in the Facebook group where we invite you to houses that are being built but not to eat you daily. Oh. I see what you're saying. We got these new uh, pretzels covered in Cheeto dust, and they're the fucking most delicious thing we've ever had. That sounds decadent. That's <laughs> so good. That is such a weird thing to say decadent about, but like, I don't disagree. <laughs> I think what I hate about this movie the most is the unrealistic depiction of high school drummers getting laid. Todd, tell me the true answer. <laughs> Well, I hate to disappoint you, Mikey, but um, I struggled a lot in that arena in high school. I'll be, I'll be very, very honest with you about that. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your virgin Todd, apparently. Actual virgin Todd. <laughs> I hold these truths to be self-evident. <laughs> Actually, if anybody in the high school band was getting sex, it was... Probably drummers, but I was not one of those drummers. I like that he called it getting sex. Uh, if anyone in high school was getting sex in our band, it was probably the drummers. Like, you were a drummer in your band. Was anyone getting the sex? Yes, a lot of them, Mikey. The color guard exists, bro. <laughs> I've met her at camp. A lot of them had sex on band trips, on the bus. Like, it's a dirty culture, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much like their quads, they bang each other. I <laughs> still struggled, even though I was a drummer in that arena in high school. Jennifer wouldn't have been twirling that flag. She was a cheerleader all the way. For sure, yeah. No, I mean, definitely you had to run in your own circles, right? Like, you knew where your playing field was, if that makes sense. Clickwise, like running in circles is is a love life kind of deal. Been there, my friend. Been there. We should probably mention that we are revisiting. Yes, Jennifer's body. Correct. This time with Paige because yes. honestly, she picked it. 
She forced us to, but I'm so glad we're doing this episode. And just like the first time, I plan on being lectured at for two hours about why I should like this movie. Oh, Mikey, you don't like this movie? I can't believe you don't. This movie is hilarious and fun. I don't like this movie. I don't think it's hilarious and fun. I think it takes 20 minutes to get anywhere where it lectures you about what the movie's doing. They murder people <laughs> five minutes into this movie. What are you talking about? All of these characters are unlikable. None of these decisions are realistic. I, I have never connected with this film. I disagree with all of that. <laughs> sure. And, and listen, we're going to get to it. I think this is perfect, though, because Mikey doesn't like the film. Paige, I'm getting a vibe that you sort of dig it. She picked it. Yeah. Oh, I fucking love this movie. I know. I know. I know. I am sort of in the middle. Like, I think it's That's great, fair. but. Not for me, if that makes sense. Yes, that does make sense. Like, I get why people love this, yes. but I'm not its target audience. True. And so, like, it's not a film I'll revisit, but I can watch it and be like, oof, I get it. I will say that Jennifer's body might be a victim of my annoyance with, I think that Diablo Cody was overrated at the time in a way that was wild. And they, they did her dirty. They did her fucking dirty, and I want to talk about it. Well, Paige, let's talk about it. She has a horror movie coming out in like two weeks, and I can't wait to watch it. She almost did Evil Dead, like the reboot, and I would have fucking loved that. Okay, let's fucking talk about this. Why did I pick this movie? I saw this movie opening fucking day. Hell yeah. I was in line. Like, I <laughs> day one. People lined up for this? Yes. Nice. I was excited it was coming out. My roommate and I were there day fucking one. <laughs> like, I love how Paige is full on hipster for Jennifer's body. Like, that I am. just seems I am. like a film you'd be a hipster for, and I'm here for it. Also, Paige, <laughs> how much does that song fucking slap, though? Like, I want to Honestly, hate it I so do much, like it. And it slaps. <laughs> I love it. It's very of the time. Yes, it's super of the time. This, yeah. whole, this whole movie is, though. Like, yeah. this movie is a time capsule of 2009 in a very fun way. She had a flip phone, guys. <laughs> yes. So, okay. So, but let's talk about Diablo Cody. Let's talk about what fucking happened, right? Okay. Let's talk about Diablo Cody. So, most people don't know that Diablo Cody wrote this before Juno. Um, I think that was a fun fact last time. Okay. I cannot remember, but I think it was a fun fact because I had heard that before, and I'm assuming I only heard that on the last episode. There's no other reason I would have heard that. Very possible. Because Juno had come out in 2007, and Juno is kind of an interesting movie in that Diablo Cody, prior to Juno, uh, was working largely as a journalist and an author. She had written a book called Candy Girl. If you haven't read it, I actually really recommend Candy Girl. It's a hell of a read that documented her year working as a stripper. And it's fucking fascinating because she tells you all of the things that you do want to know about what it's like to work as a stripper, like the ins and outs of like how the club works and everything. It's a fascinating book. But Jason Reitman had read that book and had read her blog and basically approached her and was like, hey, if you were to write a movie, what would that story be? What would your movie be? And she had already kind of been trying to. She was writing this and she was writing Juno at the same time. And there are a few movies in my life that I love that occurred that way, where someone was not a screenwriter necessarily, but somebody else came to them and was like, I think you are. What's your story? And that can be good and bad because I feel like sometimes people have a story and they're like, this is the story. They pour their whole life into it. They work years on that one script and it comes out amazing. And people are like, holy shit, 
this is brilliant. Like like the the guy who did the first season of True Detective. I feel like they yes. had similar paths. They did. And yeah, there's a lot of things like this, right? And I think Jordan Peele kind of got this same mm-hmm. thing with Get Out, where it's like he worked on Get Out for forever. There are a bunch of other movies like this, but people do one thing great. I think Ari Aster is a good example, too. One thing great and people love it. And so they immediately want more. But those scripts take time. And like it that was their one. Like that was the thing that they were like, oh, I poured all this. Now, Diablo Cody, if you had read a bunch of her other stuff, Juno is out of sync with the rest of her stuff. Like, it's a brilliant movie that I fucking love. I think it's great. Although she has come out talking about it recently in in recent years where she has almost regretted making it because people perceive it as an anti-abortion film. And I don't. I read it completely differently, personally. I don't either, yeah. But this, Jennifer's Body, way more in line with a lot of the other stuff she was doing and a lot of the other people she was hanging out with at the time because she and Jason Reitman worked on Juno And then she did a bunch of like punch up and other work for Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino. So like that's what her vibe mostly was, which is what I knew about her work. Right. Right. Which is why I went opening day. I was like, this shit's about to be fire. I mean, I did know who Diablo Cody was in 2009 when this came out. Sure. But I, I remember seeing the trailers for this and I thought, oh, it's horror. I'm not going to like it. Right. But I, I would have seen her next movie, though, because I liked Juno so much. I just avoided this because it was horror. Right, of course. But, like, I was seeing it because I was like, I want to see what she is doing in horror after working with a bunch of other horror people I like. Right? Yeah. So that's why I went to see it. And my roommate and I watched it and we were like, oh, this is fucking hilarious and awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, pe- and and we watched people walk out of the theater like we were in a theater with people who hated this movie. And we were like, I don't think they get like. Oh, yeah. I think they went to the movie expecting to see Megan Fox's body and they got like commentary on the marketing of this film was. Yes. Insanity. The commercials for this movie, like the trailers and everything for this movie, when this movie was going to come out, were all from the writer of Juno. a new, And they were cut to not look like a horror horror movie. Like, it was like a sex comedy. It kind of Yes. Looked. Oh, so they just marketed it wrong. Completely. And I will never forget standing in the lobby of the theater with my roommate, and we both were like, that was kind of fucking awesome, right? And people walked past us and were like, oh, she really shit the bed after Juno. <laughs> I get it, though. If you went there expecting what the trailer set up for you, I would have been like, well, this is terrible, you know? Right. I do like Juno better, but like, you know, it's just just different. It's a different movie. They're completely different movies. Yeah, they're different genres. It's, It's a different genre. And here's the thing. If we could do Juno on Romancing the Pot, I would. But I really don't think it's a romance. I think it's a coming of age story. It's definitely coming of age. Yeah. 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 And I think that's I think a people reading it as anti-abortion and b people reading it as a love story are both misreading that movie. Anyway, this movie we fucking loved bought it on DVD. We're super into it. We used to watch it in our apartment all the time. Years have gone by and people who either didn't see it initially because like word got out almost immediately after this movie came out. That it wasn't Juno and it wasn't a sex comedy, although it kind of is. And people didn't go see it like it did bad. And for a while, it kind of like tanked Diablo Cody's career 
but tanked it for projects that I think she would have been amazing for. And she has written a ton of other stuff and produced a ton of other stuff. And again, like I said, has a new horror movie out right now that I can't wait to go see. But like this took her like this not doing well, I think pulled her off of Evil Dead, which is a bummer. That is unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Because like, I feel like a Diablo Cody Evil Dead movie is the closest I would get to original Evil Dead. That's what I was going to say. I feel like her yes. even just dialogue vibe or get like her just doing a pass of the script would have made it. Oh, that had been great. I'd love that. I don't, I feel like she she has a snappy writing style, kind of like Sorkin. Yeah, she's a snarkier Aaron Sorkin, which I like. Yes. I don't think that style translates super well to some genres. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I don't know if horror would be good with that snappy. I love it. I, I love it because to me, it does a great job of A, depicting teenagers as mean as they can be. Yes. But also... They are still naive like teenagers. Like that's one of the things that I think is actually really interesting to me about this movie is I feel like all the teenagers are acting like teenagers. They sound a little cooler, but I would say the same thing about Juno. Yeah. This is a little dialed back from what Juno is, but you could like control F Jennifer and insert deadite. And this is an Evil Dead movie, if you think about it. I mean, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I, I'm the one saying I'd like a Diablo Cody Evil Dead. I'm here for that. I would kill for one. Yeah. Although the Evil Dead Rise that did come out dug that one. Although I think the one she was slated to do was the one that came out in between this and the Evil Dead Rise, right? The remake. It was the tweener. Yeah, which is also like we did it for the show. Like that is a decent horror flick it's just a very different tone than the original evil deads like it, it freaked me out i remember that it's very scary yeah. sure it's not a bad horror movie i just don't feel like it's an evil dead movie and i will maintain that to death no i, I don't disagree with that take but yeah i wasn't in the room when they got to decide that so yeah no i know but uh, like but yeah so uh, for me this movie to me represents kind of what could have been i'm excited to see what she turns out because I, I like Diablo Cody. She hasn't made much in the last, like, 10 years. She took a break. She had three kids. Good for her, man. That's great. But I'm glad she's coming back to stuff. She had her kids, and then I think now she's like, all right, I'm coming back. So I'm I'm excited to see it. Me too. But I think part of that might be because people discovered this movie 10 years after and love it because I think this movie was 10 years too early. That is my belief, is that it was marketed bad and it's 10 years too early. I do think it's way ahead of its time, honestly. I do feel like the sensibilities of today would have liked this more if it was marketed correctly. Like, yes, I wonder if it was marketed the way it should have been, like it's a horror film or even maybe like a horror dark comedy. I could see a pitch for that sort of lane, too. I say horror dark comedy. Yeah. But like if you market it that way and the people going to the movie are expecting to see that and they're not like immediately put off because that's what they're seeing. And it's not like a rom com or whatever. Like, I think it would have done better. I think she needed distance from Juno, too. Yeah, I think they made a mistake. Casting Megan Fox. I disagree. Hard disagree. I think she's great in this. She's amazing in this movie. I think she is good in this. I'm just saying this was all during the Transformers stuff, and they marketed it like that. They marketed all of her just... The, all the marketing is her sex appeal, right? It's nothing about the substance of the movie. Yes, and and it leaned on that. And I think that comes from the Transformers stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I you're not wrong. That the marketing did lean on her on the male gaze who is not the target for this movie. Right. You know, and and there are 
parts of this movie that sexualize her, but not necessarily in a male gaze way, because this movie is very lesbian coded. Oh, yes. yes. Right. And which people did not get at the time. I think she's underrated. I mean, I don't know. I, I have not seen much with her Machine Gun Kelly error, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When they brought her in the new girl to replace the Zoe. Like I was like, oh, very skeptical because it's around the same time. But she was so funny on that show and such a good actress. Dude, she was so great. Yeah, that that is way later because that's like a a while. But she's one of the few celebrities I met in real life. And I was like, oh, she's fucking nice as hell. Like she was so nice to me. And I and it was after I had seen this and I was almost disappointed. (laughs) I was like, oh, man. I feel like we need a distance from Juno. They needed to market it, not to the male gaze, because that's not the audience. Right. But also, there was not a lot for young women that was this crass at the time. And and I'm, I don't mean crass in a judgmental way. Obviously, I love this movie. Yeah. The closest we had gotten was Mean Girls, which is about four years before this. But if you look at the dialogue for this versus Mean Girls, this is at an 11 and Mean Girls is at like a seven and a half. Which Mean Girls is, I think, Amanda Seyfried's first movie, right? So like also in this and Mean Girls. It's one of her early ones. Yes. Okay. It might not be her first. Yeah, yeah. But it's early in her like career. It's early. I feel like because I remember when Mean Girls came out, it was kind of shocking. Uh, But then there's this, and I recently watched Bottoms, which I fucking loved. Fucking loved Bottoms. Yeah. But Bottoms feels a little like this to me in that it's way heightened. It's way crasser. It's so brutal. It's mean. It's almost surreal at points. And I fucking loved it. But I feel like people get to it late, right? So, like, people are not always ready for... The reality of some of that, because some of this, maybe not in the quippy way that the movie does, are things that you would talk about with your friends and say to your friends because you have a comfortability with them. Yes. I think Diablo Cody's magic is that she can capture those moments. Yes. And it feels like genuine, right? Yes. I feel like Diablo Cody has like a, like she has the pulse of like what the conversation is in those moments very well yeah i think of it as she's the version of the conversation you would had if you had the time to plan it out she's saying the thing that you want to be saying you're just not quick enough to say it in a funny way yeah people love it or hate it take it or leave it whatever it's the aaron sorkin thing because he does the same thing with like more dramatic moments and i think he's good at it and i like his style yeah but that's probably also why i like diablo cody's style who i think is more in the comedy lane of the Aaron Sorkin-ness, right? Yes. I remember I turned in a script at this time and was widely criticized for having college-age women in the script speaking like sarcastically mean and I, I guess profanity forward to each other. And I had multiple men tell me that women would never talk that way to each other. And I was like, <laughs> spoiler. That is a man who has never had a woman friend. Yes. Like, yes! that's all that is. Right? That's so bizarre. And and it, it was a constant note, and it was something people said about this movie. They said it about Mean Girls, and then, but then, like, the, the goalpost changes, right? Of course. So, like, people have said it about Bottoms, too. And I'm like, no. I think that it is crazy, but I have had crazy conversations like that. But it's one of the things I do love about this movie that I think people just weren't ready for. Yeah, I 
I agree. I, like I was saying before, I like the movie. Like, I think it's a good movie. It, it's not super scary on a second rewatch. Like, it's very watchable. I just, it's not for me, right? Like, I, I am not its right. target audience, and I'm completely cool with that. So I don't love it. I'm fine to never watch it again. You know, like I would, I would probably have never watched it. Have we not watched it again for this movie? But if you're like, man, I love Jennifer's body. I'm like, I get it. It is a good movie that is targeted for different people. And I, I'm here for it. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm, I just, people deserve movies, right? So I want movies for everybody. Right. And, and you know, I don't have to enjoy them or whatever. Completely agree. Yes. Yeah. I am fine with the fact that it's not written for a cis white old man. Like, <laughs> It shouldn't be. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was like, how many how many horror movies are specifically written for women? I feel like this one is one, and I feel like Midsummer is one. You know, I agree, but it's like also maybe five percent of the movies that are getting made. So like, exactly, that's what I mean. Yeah, I think now it's probably more because it might be but, a little more than that now. Yeah, but like the hundred years before that, like ninety nine percent were written for dudes. Exactly. I mean, it may have been, it may have been five percent at the time this movie came out. I still think that might be. High. Now I I don't like I don't like the first fifteen to twenty like the like the whole setup like I don't know why we didn't just jump into these things happening why there has to be so much voiceover at the beginning it it annoys the shit out of me that was a thing of the time movies at the time did that a lot especially like rom coms like so in my mind what Diablo Cody did in this movie is she took the pop culture she grew up with in the eighties and she sort of overlaid eighties style and eighties satanic panic yes. on this movie. Right. Because it's the music that turns people to Satan or whatever. Right. Yes. And then also like the, the clothes they're wearing can also be like, they're very eighties colored and like the prom dress at the end that Amanda Seyfried is wearing is like eighties as fuck. The rest of their stuff seems normal, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. But if you think about, like that, like it's written from like an updated 80s angle. I completely understood why it felt like Breakfast Club on some level, like with the voiceovers and shit like that, you know? Um, so I was I was sort of here for that. But Mikey, I don't normally love that. You're right. Well, I mean, a couple of minutes is fine, but it's like they, they have her in the institution. Yeah. Then they have them doing a bunch of things. And then it really takes like you only need a couple of scenes to set You mean up. like the flat like because this whole thing is a long flashback, right? I don't love yes. that as a narrative device either. Yes. You can just start your stories where they start. You don't have to start them and like I'm already in it. I paid to see the movie. Like right. you don't have to hook me with like a is she an asylum sort of a thing and then show me how she got there? I don't need that. From a story structure perspective, the reason I would still do it this way is because it would throw the pacing of your third act off if you don't front load. Sure. Because you have to explain so much on the back end, you mean? Yes. Yeah, I, I yes. can see that too. I, I still think the third act is weak. Like many horror films. How do you land it? I See, I feel like the third act is okay, but it's because they trimmed and put a bunch of it in the beginning. Like that's the only reason it's paced okay at the end. And you're not bogged down during the action? Yes, yeah. exactly. Or bogged down after the action because yeah. you don't want like her to kill Jennifer and then have 20 minutes of movie left. Where they're explaining what happened. <laughs> yes, which is what you would have if you didn't front load. Yeah, you sort of need that flashback from Jennifer explaining the yes. night she got killed. And if you didn't get that, you wouldn't have seen the Tommy Two-Tone scene. And that's like the funniest scene in the movie to me. Like, I love that shit. Jenny, I've got your number. Mm, I need to make you mine. That's, Todd, that's the middle. Yeah, that's act two. That's the thing. All of the information is in, in the other acts of the stuff. Well, I mean, they had to get that sort of stuff out of the way. 
so that they could just end it after the end, after the action at the end. Well, that's what that's the flashback and voiceover doesn't have that. All of that is shown in the film, and and then like yeah, yeah, you're right. And at the end, she still narrates about how she gets the monster's powers when she's bitten. I had no problems understanding it. I mean, the end of it is her, like, she is still in the cell that society puts her in. And then she's like, but I have all of the power because Jennifer showed me the way out of this. And just to not give a fuck yeah. about the box society put me in. So I'm going to bust out and I'm going to go fucking kill the band, which I love. Like, I love that journey for her. You know, I think it's great. But I, it's like, it's more metaphorical than actual, I think. I also think that voiceover might have been a studio note. I don't know for sure. You know, I do think it is meant to be like a breakfast club. Yeah. Right. Like it's because it's a teen horror comedy. <laughs> and so I think it's like if John Hughes wrote an Evil Dead movie, is it this? Yes. And then you would have voiceover. Yeah. But I also think it serves a structure thing. Yeah. I agree. But do you guys just want to maybe go through it scene by scene? Yes. Let's get into it. Okay, so we open on Jennifer's house. She looks bad. She's eating her hair. She's watching that insane gazelle commercial that was very popular at the time. That commercial's insane. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what is happening. He's on like a ski jump thing. I don't know. It's weird. Wait, Todd, have you never seen... This is a real commercial that was very popular at the time. No, I know it's a real commercial. You could tell by the way it was like... It just looked like an infomercial. I hated it. It is. It is. It, but it was like <laughs> an infomercial that they had cut into commercial length that showed all the time. And it's an exercise thing called the gazelle. And the guy on it yeah. was like some weird fitness dude. That, and But he's basically like... <laughs> who's the OxyClean guy? Billy Mays. Yeah. He's like the Billy Mays of the gazelle. And he used to show <laughs> constantly at this time. I've never seen it. No, this is the only time I've ever seen it. But no, this was a real infectious infomercial that was on all the time infection <laughs> uh it's wild to me that you've never seen it like yeah it was so inescapable this is another ashanti for me <laughs> it's probably still on it's just no one watches cable who's you know younger than 50 yeah that's fair anyway but this is where we get one of the i i would say thematic and poignant lines of the movie of hell is a teenage girl the opening line <laughs> yeah hell is a teenage girl i thought it was funny that the first thing any character says outside the infomercial obviously is hell is a teenage girl i was like okay here we go diablo let's go what's up what's up are you ready for some satanic panic subversion that's what this is that's what this is we then cut to uh, a mental health facility uh, where we meet needy short for anita and i do love she gets a bunch of letters from her admirers and one of them is just a, a box with a vibrator in it if you if you look in the foreground it's just it's like drawings crazy tissue paper vibrator <laughs> i didn't see that that's funny very funny cuz i'm guessing they pin all the murders on her yes exactly she she is blamed for everything even though none of it was her fault but she refuses to eat more than just one toastum i mean she goes out for recreation she's not loving it she only eats the one toastum and when the lady comes to question her about it, she kicks her over a table uh, in a brutal overreaction, I would say. But yeah. this is her, I would say, planning to get put in solitary because she knows about that tall window. Yeah. That's going to play into it later. But we then cut to the flashback that will form most of the movie where she is basically like, no one knows how the killing started except me. 
and she introduces the concept of Devil's Kettle, which is a real thing. Devil's Kettle is a real place, you mean? Yes, but also the the waterfall thing is real. It's based on a real place. There's one of the. It's like in Scotland, or I think it's in Scotland or Ireland. No, it's there's a bunch of them all over the world, actually. But there's one uh, near where Diablo Cody grew up, and that's the one this is based on. It is Devil's Kettle Judge Magny State Park. In Minnesota. Okay, cool. It disappears into a glacial pothole. Yeah, typically the things that do that are because the water is actually just running underground. It's going underground, so it looks like it's... Right, right. It looks like it's a flushing toilet. I don't know what else to call it, all but the that's time, what yeah. it is. Yeah. Yep. But then we get the intro of all of kind of our main school characters. She says, me, Jennifer, and Chip were normal. We were our yearbook pictures, which I think is another great line to illustrate. Like, we were normal. We were our yearbook pictures. The most basic version of teens you could think of. He's a bad drummer, which Todd, I assumed you had notes on. Paige, I literally wrote in my notes during this opening like high school montage. Anyone playing drums knows that guy's just like throwing his hands around. Like he has no idea what's going on. Yeah. Especially the guy on the tenors. He's just like, like, it's so silly. But. You wouldn't notice, really. Like, I get if you're not like, that's like a doctor being like, I can't watch ER because it's like not right or whatever. Like, I get it. I mean, that stuff is really bad. I would argue that this is an intentional joke because the Foley guy notices. Oh, no. You the hear Foley it? for yeah. the drumming is hilarious. I think they got sound in the scene because it is like, that is what it would sound like. And that's why it sounds terrible. Yeah. I think you're right. It sounds like a child with a drum. It does. It's like a Fisher Price like technique if that makes sense yes. yeah and the other side of this argument what if they're just bad high school drummers you know well i actually have some authority on being a high school drummer and i can tell you they are bad high school drummers some of them are some of them aren't yeah the the, the school from drumline was good but like most high schools sound like shit i mean that is true <laughs> this is gonna sound like me bragging and it is because i am bragging but i got very lucky to go to a school that had one of the best drumline instructors in the u.s so we were inordinately good especially for our area that was 100% because uh, someone named Julie Davila, who's still out there today, and she's literally one of the best teachers in the country. I just got so lucky. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Chip's a shitty drummer. And Jennifer is a majorette, which in the past three years, or color guard, I, I guess depending, she's a flag spinner. Uh, the last like few years for Halloween, as this movie has like come back as a cult classic, that's the costume everyone wears is like her majorette costume because or i guess it's color guard yeah yeah drum ma a majorette's drum majors and they direct the yeah, band yeah. as far as their tempo uh they can spin things like that but yeah, she's yeah, a yeah. in the color guard my mom was a uh majorette at mississippi state your mom was mm -hmm. nice anyway this is the costume everyone wears which is wild because she's literally only in it for this one tiny scene in this montage. Like it flashes her in this outfit and then we never see it again. And that has become the one Halloween costume for Jennifer in this movie. I've seen it's people wild. do the um, the prom dress that she's wearing with the blood on it. Yeah, I've seen that one too. But that's a higher level of commitment. Like that's more than just buying a kit. You know what I'm saying? Every, almost everyone I see does the color guard one because I think for them they're like, it's this is the one that's easy to be hot in. Yeah. But you know what? I still respect it because 
love this movie. Well, it's on the movie poster because this movie's marketed. They move. They marketed this movie like the um, the Denise Richards Nev Campbell movie. Oh, uh, wild things. Yes. Wild things. Not that I've ever seen it. Yes, because the kid, the kiss in this movie is in the trailer, and I remember uh, that. And they made a huge deal out of completely it. Completely missing the point of that scene. But completely yeah. missing the point of the scene. <laughs> in the context of the movie, it's a whole different vibe. I know. Uh, I know. Anyway, uh, but this is where she introduces the idea that she and Jennifer have been friends since childhood, but also lays the groundwork for the fact that she and Jennifer's relationship is not really equal. It is very much a a manipulation status based friendship, which I think a lot of girls end up in those friendships as teenagers on either side of it. And then grow up into more adult, healthy friendships, hopefully. But I also think there's an element and they do introduce it here because another character leans in and just goes, you guys are totally lesbian where it's almost like the movie telling you like, yo, I know this ain't no normal friendship. Right, right. A wink, wink, nudge, nudge, obvious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because essentially what we will find out, or at least my reading of the film is that uh, needy is closeted. Yep. I would say by because I feel like she does care for Chip and, and yeah. they do have a sexual relationship. Well, Who knows? I, you're figuring it out. That you're like yeah. you're 17, 18, whatever. Yeah, she's she's figuring it I out. I definitely think she's figuring it out. Yeah. Right. She definitely could be by though. We see her with two people in this movie. I would say by Megan Fox is also like very, very hot. Like a Ryan Reynolds, like you know, of that's course. like a universal kind of like beautiful. Yeah. Well, I also think that. You know, Megan Fox's character, Jennifer, is her closest friend and has either probably figured it out that she may be bi or maybe Needy has confided that in her and we just don't know. And it is one more thing that she uses to kind of exploit and control Needy within the story, Uh, because this is ultimately a story of Needy shaking off what other people think not trying to please other people anymore and being her own person and taking control of her destiny is what i would say that this movie ultimately is about yeah anyway so she we cut to them by the lockers and this is where the movie movie like that's going to continue forward in a linear fashion and not a quentin tarantino fashion starts yeah because basically jennifer pops up and is like hey I'm going to the show at Melody Lane. You're coming with me. The lead singer of this band is extra salty and it'll be super fun for you. And she says no initially, Needy does, because she's supposed to hang out with Chip, but ultimately capitulates to Jennifer. Because Jennifer always gets what she wants. Exactly. Jennifer always gets what she wants. And yes, that is a societal truth of the movie that Jennifer always gets what she wants. But I also think we're establishing a truth here of Jennifer is the one needy loves like even though yes she loves Chip yes they have a relationship truly Jennifer is the one she loves it's why Jennifer's loss is more painful like that is the love of the movie and it's troubling and it's toxic and it's not good it's why it's good at the end that she gets away from her but that is what this movie is setting up early yeah well Chip's okay but he's not like you know he's a teenage boy he's not vendetta for revenge kind of you know, love. Exactly. Yes. Like, that's what I'm saying. Right. Like, yeah. 
especially on multiple viewings of this movie, the first time you see it, you're like, oh, okay, bye, maybe, I don't know. The like subsequent viewings, you're like, Chip is an afterthought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Chip should have been pissed that she blew him off tonight. Yeah, yeah, and he's not because Chip is actually a very sweet, sweet guy. Yeah, I think the point is that like Chip is a good guy. She's just not into Chip, really. Yeah. And that's okay. And I think Chip would have handled that fine had they not killed him off in the movie. Yeah, well, and, and here's the thing. I feel like they do a really great job, and I actually love that they do this with Chip, of demonstrating that even though Chip gets hurt and and whatever at the end, like emotionally and then eventually killed, I think Chip cares about her so deeply as a friend that romantic relationship or not, Chip would be there for her. Right. And he is struggling watching her go through some emotional tumult yes in this film i completely agree but yeah yeah anyway we cut to her bedroom where she's trying to pick out an outfit more to please jennifer than the band she doesn't care about the band she doesn't care about the thing but she also talks about the rules for dressing to go anywhere with jennifer because she's the cute one i'm not which Jennifer will bring up later in a very queer-coded way to insult Needy. So, like, it is clearly an established norm of their relationship. Yes. But I also love Chip's assertion of, like, where she says, girls like her don't go out with drummers. Maybe if a drummer was a lead singer. And he says, like, Phil Collins. And she's like, who is that? (laughs) Breaks my heart, man. Right. Breaks my heart. It's the guy from Tarzan the Musical. (laughs) Come on. Disney Tarzan was out at this time. You'll be in my heart. That movie's a banger. That is a banger. Uh, Anyway, she and Chip make out, but then Jennifer arrives, and I do love that she's like, I've got the Chrysler Sebring all to myself. And I was like, oh, take me back. (laughs) It was also a 2003 Chrysler Sebring, which would have been like a six-year-old car at this point, at the point that this movie came out. So that made me laugh, too. But I also remember... Like, my first car... Still too new. Still too new. (laughs) It's her mom's. It's her mom's, not hers, for sure. But I remember, like, what having a car at that time felt like. It was, like, freedom unabashedly. And I loved, like... I was proud of my 86 Bonneville that someone at church gave us. Exactly. I was like, hell yeah. I'm gonna drive around in this land beast because it's the only way I can get away from my house. Anyway, (laughs) she... Accuses them of having sex, which I don't know if you notice every time Jennifer encounters Chip and Needy, she's always just like, have you guys been having sex? Like she's interrogating them. Yeah. Almost to make them feel guilty about it. It's wild. It's Anyway, she does shove Needy in this scene where they like play shove, play shove, play shove. And then she like forcibly shoves her into a wall. Yeah. Seemingly accidentally, but not so accidentally. Jennifer is an abusive friend, okay? Yeah. I think Jennifer knows she has the power and abuses that power. Yep. And that's, hey, sometimes these are friends that you need to shed. Yes. As you grow into a beautiful butterfly. Or partners. Or partners. Yes. If people are not treating you well, if people are abusing you or manipulating you, shed those relationships. Yeah. Anyway, they go to Melody Lane and we meet some of their classmates here, including Chris Pratt, a a police cadet who I... In my headcanon, went to school with them a year or two before. Yeah. But he's still the dude that hung around town and sleeps with high schoolers. Yeah. Mm -mm. That's heavy Chris Pratt vibes. It It is. It is heavy Chris Pratt vibes. Yeah. But the band is there. And so Jennifer goes up to talk to the band. 
Now, we will find out the band has ulterior motives. We don't fully know yet. Uh, but Jennifer offers to buy them drinks. But the drink that she offers to buy them is a 9-11 specialty yes. shooter. And it's two yes. towers. It's two towers of red, white, and blue. And you got to drink it fast it. or it turns brown. Or else it so turns funny. brown. Yeah, man. It's a... Uh... Oh, God. Diablo County, man. <laughs> but, like, she goes off to buy the drinks. Needy overhears the band talking about how whether or not Jennifer is a virgin. And I do love that they call Jennifer state fair butter princess which is like if i was roast battling i would feel on top of the world for calling someone a state fair butter princess that's exactly like that's yeah to distill it perfect and then they call needy jan brady which is all similarly (laughs) i was like diablo (laughs) cody should roast battle (laughs) like holy shit oh i'm sure she'd be great at it yeah i did think this was funny because i played about a thousand of these shows where it was like rural town nothing to do a lot of people go and see this band coming through that's not from here because there's literally nothing else to do and man did i build a career off of it at that time in my life yeah because we weren't that good you know when there's not much else to do yeah this is what people do yeah anyway jennifer comes back with the drinks just as needy has finished defending her to the band where she's like yes she is a virgin because fuck you guys how dare you talk about my friend that way right jennifer comes back and she's got on the tray two layered shots one doesn't have enough blue and she just goes oh tower one isn't full enough and then she turns <laughs> to take them back oof my goof yeah um but this is where needy is like they were talking about you asking whether or not you're a virgin they're really gross i don't like them and jennifer goes ew i'm not even a backdoor virgin <laughs> just like ugh. She was like, what the fuck? It was, and she blames it on Chris Pratt's character, which again, dicey. Like, ugh. I did think that, ooh, like the disgust at just genuinely <laughs> being called a virgin to me was funny. I thought that, that was hilarious. Very funny. But the show's about to start, and Adam Brody, as the lead singer of this band, steals this fucking movie. I know. He, he is the funniest character. It may be his best role. <laughs> it is one of my favorite. And here's the thing. I love Adam Brody. I will watch him in anything. Yeah, he's great. And this m- might be one of my favorites because he is basically playing his character from the OC if that guy became like an emo band. <laughs> he would he would do well in more villain roles. Oh, I love in this movie where he's like, hello, Devil's Lake. And they're like, it's Devil's Kettle. And he just goes, damn right it is. <laughs> yeah, and then they start the song. I thought that shit was perfect. And again, Todd, the song, even now, still kind of holds up. It doesn't kind of hold up, Paige. I hated how much I liked it. I was like, oh, shit, I'm such a child of this time because this song for me slaps. I'm here for it. I was like, yeah, this song sounds like every song of that era. It does. It is like you took all the songs I liked uh, and added a dash of Revis. And then that's the song that came out. So... I, I want to blow a fun fact right now. Do it. Because it's endemic of the time. And there's a, a lot of the fun facts are about how the studio so badly misunderstood this movie and the mistakes they made about it. It through all basically the entire production and marketing process. But at one point in casting, they thought about casting actual rock stars for the band. Given the time and the type of music, do you have any guesses 
for who they approached. I'm going to take Fallout Boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the band. Uh, it was just the lead singer was the only. Uh, oh, but... oh, oh, okay. I thought you meant whole band. Then I'm going to take the lead singer for Fallout Boy. <laughs> it was not the lead singer. <laughs> then the lead singer for Panic at the Disco. Like, it has to be one of those bands. Okay, so it was the bass player from Fallout Boy as a lead singer because they did not even know who the lead singer of Fallout Boy was. That's because... He's fine with that, and I sort of love that about their lead singer. Is it that Pete guy, the one who was on One Tree, the one who was on One Tree Hill at the time? I don't know who that was. Pete went. He played himself on One Tree Hill and started hooking up with one of the main characters on the show. Is was it Pete? Okay, then that would have been Pete Wentz, not the lead singer, the bass player. He because yes, it's the same guy. The, yeah. the lead singer is a dude that you would not even notice on the sidewalk. He doesn't want to be the front man. I, he doesn't want to be the front man. He hates it. I really like that about Fall Out Boy. Their front man is their bass player. And I will admit, Pete Wentz is like a charismatic, like fun dude. So like, I get why he would be a good front man. Their lead singer is more like, Cool with being low key. Just talented. Yeah. Just super talented. Yeah. Anyway, the other one they approached was Joel Madden of Good Charlotte. Oh, I could see that too. Good Charlotte was a little bit heavier than this style of music, but I could see that. Yep. They got a voice. He got the same kind of voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, with throughout the movie, there's posters for Motion City soundtrack and a bunch of and Panic at the Disco and a few other things. Yeah. And I think that's what they were mostly going for. So I guess Pete Wentz would have been closest, but personally. Adam Brody makes this movie. If it's not Adam Brody, I don't want it. He's so funny as this character. He really is. I think he clearly understood the movie he was in and his part in it because he just nails the tone and everything. He's great. Yeah. And I don't think he's lip syncing. Somebody else did the song, but he's performing the hell out of it. He's dancing around like he's fucking what's his face flowers from the killers at this time. Like it's so funny. Yes. (laughs) Like, Nailing it. But a fire starts on stage, clearly instigated by the band, uh, and everyone rushes to leave. People get trampled. They run outside. Needy and Jennifer get outside just as part of the bar explodes. And who should pull up in a van but the band? Okay, we have to talk about this more because it goes up like it's a great white concert in 2003. Like, it is nuts. Yeah. And... Of course, Jennifer and Needy get out of there and the band just sort of like disappear. And then as like Jennifer and Needy are having the conversation of like, oh, my God, that was so crazy. Adam Brody walks up holding a scotch. He's still drinking. A poured scotch. Yes. Yes. And he like drinks out. He was like, oh, I've been looking everywhere for you guys. Like that shit is hilarious. <laughs> it's great. Like, this is clearly modeled and stolen from like the great white pyrotechnic fire that literally killed 100 people in a club in New York, I think. Yes. It yeah, was yeah. 2003-ish. It's, there's been multiple and, and a yeah. few around this time specifically. But I have a question for you because on multiple viewings... I am still split on if this is, and this might just be my weird theory. Jennifer seems kind of dazed and entranced after the fire, like just in the parking lot in this scene. During them playing the song, it's cut in such a way that it almost seems hypnotic for the crowd, except for Needy, because Needy doesn't really care. Right. Do you think, given that they have printouts from satanic stuff later, uh, that there is some magic at work or is that just how the movie happened to shake out? Yes. I thought it was part of the whole 
ritual and then i think jennifer gets that hypnotic ability later so i think it shows yes. that this whole thing yeah has this mind control aspect i think that's why so many people died yes. and jennifer and needy escape because needy literally pulls jennifer out of there because she is not glamored right by the band at all because she's just like not into it and or because of what she overheard them say, right? She was like, fuck these guys, yes. they're trash. So the spell doesn't work on her. But I do think everyone else was just like glamored and stayed in the yes. building and they get crushed by it when it falls. Yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people do escape and, and people get trampled. It's like a whole, a whole thing. Yeah, well, and Needy wasn't affected by the music. So I do think that there were other people who were immune to it for various reasons. Yeah. It's at least Jennifer that they were targeting. So at least yes. they were, they, I think they wanted her, I think they were going to try to kill her while it burned around them. No, they had to take her to Devil's Kettle. Yeah, that's part of it. Ah. But they had to get her into the van to do it, right? So that's why I was like, do they try to glamour her? Is this an element of it? And I, I think it's inconclusive. I don't know that you could argue definitively one way or the other in the movie. It's just something that I think is interesting every time I watch it. Yeah. Anyway, so they get outside. Uh, the van pulls up. He's got the full scotch. Uh, and he's like, hey, why don't we just you know, take you in the van and Needy, they don't even ask Needy to come in the van. They right? fully just leave her there. But also Needy's like, no, I'll take you home. I've got the Sebring or whatever. The van pulls off. Uh, Needy gets home. She calls Chip and she's like, they kidnapped Jennifer. <laughs> like, yeah. I couldn't do anything about it. There were more than them than there were of me. It happened too fast. She's kidnapped. Uh, I like that that's what she immediately goes to. She's a good friend. <laughs> she is a good friend. She also might... Low-key be in love with Jennifer. A hundred percent. High-key, I think. Oh, I think it's pretty blatant in this movie. Yeah. And she's like, and Melody Lane burned down. And this is where, again, where I was like, Chip is a kind, good boyfriend because he's like, whoa, are, are you, you okay? okay? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like everything else. Are you okay? But she is, she's traumatized. And he was like, well, okay, do you remember the make and model of the van? She's like an 89 rapist, which is... I thought that was hilarious, too. I mean, it was also like a very Diablo Cody joke that I am so here for. It's it's also... So this movie does have a very visual style to it. Yeah. And it's shot really well because it's Karen Kusama. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. But that van, it's like an Econoline camper van. Yeah. Like, it is the quintessential band van. Like, they, it's whoever set decked that chef's kiss yes but as she's on the phone with chip the doorbell rings she goes to answer it there's nobody there except we can see that there's someone behind her already in the house yeah uh we will find out this is jennifer and jennifer is she looks like she has been like needy describes it later she looked like she'd been hit by a car or shot because she is covered in blood she's covered in dirt she's covered in everything and she gets up close to Needy. Her teeth are all bloody. And then she pushes past her into the kitchen, rips a chicken out of the fridge and eats it with her hands on the floor. And right now, I would just like to slow clap Megan Fox for being willing to look so disgusting and terrifying for commitment to the performance. She crushes it. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's great. And 
Amanda Seyfried comes in as like, my mom got that from Boston Market, and I think we're not <laughs> yeah, supposed to for eat dinner it dinner this week. Like, it was so fucking funny to me, like, that this is going on, and she's worried about Boston Market. And then Jennifer, like, throws up all over her. Oh. Blood. Throws up, like, darkened black blood. Yeah. Newtonian fluid is what it looks like, because it's, like, all prickly and everything. Well, yeah, and it does do that ripple of yeah. Newtonian thing, yeah. Yeah. You probably should have called an adult after Jennifer left her house that night. Yeah. Yeah, maybe well she tries she tries to call her mom she tries to call every because remember she comes home calling her mom first yes so like she was that like it seems like this like her with like well my mom bought that chicken that to me feel very true to a teenager yes i agree and her fear and everything and those are some of the things in the movie that i'm like this is what makes this feel so relatable in some ways because they do feel very 3d after there's blood all over the kitchen that she has oh, to spend yeah. all night cleaning i would have okay like i would have just been like wake up something's wrong with my friend exactly i would not have been like i'm gonna clean this quietly before my mom gets back to work yeah, i'd be like right. we're calling an ambulance and then someone else is cleaning up your bloody vomit that that's fair that's fair you probably would have called called 911 now granted you can't do that because that ends all horror movies exactly people never call yeah 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 yeah, yeah, but i mean i'm just like like if one of you two come over and you're like i'm okay throw up blood on my kitchen and then leave my house you're calling an ambulance we're gonna have i'm gonna have some conversations at least with like four people about this you know like yeah 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 and one of them will be a cleaning crew and the second one will be (laughs) me giving you the bill for the cleaning crew (laughs) yes (laughs) i would be more worried but i also i would not clean up your blood out of my could exactly like, yes yeah she is a 17 year old who just experienced an extreme traumatic event and can't get a hold of her mom but yes i think the flashback of her crying cleaning it up is what would is what would have happened right yes i don't know i don't think i don't think that would have happened but i i do think it, you, it's plausible deniability right sure it's suspicion yeah, yeah, yeah. disbelief but like i think in real life most teenagers who have a decent relationship with their family would have been like, shut the fuck down. Like I'd be crying in a corner waiting for oh, my family. Oh yeah, yeah, to get yeah, yeah. I mean, like my friend came over, looked like she had been murdered, and then threw up blood all over the kitchen. And my family would be like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, I would also accept her not calling nine one one and just sitting down and crying, and her mom finding that's until her mom yes. got home. Yes. That's, yes. I think sure. that's the more realistic. I think that's the more realistic kind of thing of like she just shuts down. I don't think cleaning something takes so long that you would like get control like you would be able to process it more and you'd be like yeah i need to call for help maybe i i could also and in my headcanon for this scene is she's so traumatized that she starts worrying about the trivial things like you know when somebody gets in a car accident and they're like oh no there's blood on my shirt and it's like no your arm is hanging off like yes it's that of like mom is gonna be so mad at me because of the chicken and the floor and it's like Bitch, no, your mom is going to come home and be like, what the fuck happened? Are you okay? Yeah, exactly. But in that moment, she can't quite like process that. I can see that. That's why I think because she's only 17 or however old she is, she's a high school senior. Like she doesn't have enough life experience to be able to do that. And I think that's why this is somewhat plausible. But yeah. Well, and we cut to her immediately the next day of school. We don't see her clean it up here. It's not till later that we we kind of flash back to it in like a minute or two. Right. But she's at school just staring into the middle distance and the girls in class behind her are talking and and some of the like conversation snippets you hear around them in the movie I think are very funny and very real to teenagers not understanding anything uh, because the girl behind her just says, 
Needy and Jennifer are there. I heard there was a guy with a machete and they had to hack their way out of Melody Lane. And then Needy, who clearly is just like staring into the middle distance, they're just like, I bet she's got PTSD. My dad came back from Operation Enduring Freedom and he didn't talk for months. And then we just cut away. I love how they name drop the actual operation. Yeah, That's so fucking funny. Never, yeah. We never talked to that girl again. <laughs> <laughs> She just told us half her life story. I know. We never hear from her again. I was so upset that in this scene, they introduced J.K. Simmons as a one-handed teacher who clearly was in love with that Spanish lady. And yes, like Senorita Erickson. <laughs> he doesn't become a part of like their team or whatever. Like he is just an ancillary character yes. that I needed a thousand more to, like time with. He was so like weirdly interesting. I feel I feel like there are a lot of people who worked in this movie because they had worked with Diablo before or were interested in the other stuff that she did. And sure. I think he's one of them because he's in Juno, which I think is my favorite role of his is him as the dad in Juno. He's great in it. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Uh, Whiplash is my favorite. I mean, he's just so terrifying. He is a huge villain in that too. Yeah. Anyway, so Jennifer shows up to class looking like nothing happened. And Needy, of course, is just like, what the fuck? Like what? I I saw you like deadite scream on the floor of my kitchen. Yeah. And then run away covered in blood after barfing terrifying liquid onto my floor. And you're just walking in like nothing's wrong. And Jennifer's just like, what the fuck? But this is where we get the flashback <laughs> of like, I spent all night cleaning it up and it's under her nails. It's like a whole thing. And before she can ask her more questions, in strides J.K. Simmons their teacher with a hook that is never explained. It's the best. I love J.K. Simmons. It's almost like he read for this part and he was like, like clearly he was a <laughs> Juno. They have like a relationship and he was just like Diablo. What if I had a hook and we never talk about it? And she's like, love it. Let's go. Love it. Absolutely love it. Because <laughs> they never address it. This is such a subtle performance and it happens later. But when he overhears Jennifer killing the guy in the woods, yeah. he throws his <laughs> yes. bag in with the hook. And I was like, yes. I love that he has had that so long that no one even talks about it anymore. It is a part of his daily routine. Like, it's so great. He has it's such a great performance from him. This and so this is where we get a sense of how many people died at Melody Lane. So it was eight students, including the exchange student Ahmed, which they named specifically, so we'll remember it later. Yeah. But then they have one of my favorite and it's such a simple joke, and so many people do it. It's not that original. It just makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Whenever you're like Spanish teacher, senorita, and then a last name that is decidedly not Spanish. Yeah. Senorita Smith or whatever. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's Senorita <laughs> Erickson in this movie, but yeah. like on community, it was Senor Chang. Like, yeah. it always makes me laugh. And I'm, and here's the thing I know that people have a myriad of last names, and a ton of different people speak Spanish, and all of these are very possible things. It still makes me laugh every time. <laughs> but more people died than I was than I was thinking until he comes out. He's like, so many people died because the, the club didn't look that packed. So he says eight students, a number of parents and other people in town, plus our Spanish teacher. So he's only listing off like the, the school people. Yeah. So I was there's, there's probably even more. Yes. Yeah. I think I think at one point in the movie, they say 40 or something like that, which would be huge, right? You know? Yeah, it would be huge. That would be a lot. Uh, but also they introduce like that there's grief counselors. Uh, regardless, we cut to Chip. Chip and Needy at the lockers. And Needy's like, hey, something really fucking weird happened after I hung up with you last night. She came to the door. She barfed. It's creepy. 
and Chip kind of like brushes it off a little bit to just be like, hey, I'm just glad you're okay. Yeah. Like, I'm not even going to address the evil barf. Uh, I'm glad you're okay, though. And they run into Colin Gray in the hallway. Colin is going to be briefly established as one of Needy's friends from English class that is kind of like a goth sensitive poet type. This is purely just so that we know who he is later. Yeah. So when he dies here in 15 minutes, we're like, oh, that guy. Oh, that guy. Yeah. But, but like when they establish him and like Chip is there seeing him talk to Amanda and like Amanda sort of likes him. Like they're at least friends. Yeah. Right? I think they're friends. Yeah. And Chip is like, he's he's cool. Like he's not like a dick about it, but he clearly acknowledges it and sees it or whatever. Sure. It's the stereotypical probing questions your partner will ask when they see you with someone of the opposite sex. Exactly. Yeah, That's yeah, what I was yeah. going to get at. Because he does ask those questions right after that guy leaves. Yeah. How do you know him? What do you feel about them? He seems <laughs> real dark and emotional. I think it's like verbatim what he says. Because I feel like, <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, I was never a high school boy. Is a fear of a high school boy that a girl will leave you for someone who is deeper and darker and emotional? I don't think that specifically, at least not for when I was in high school. Okay. But I do think it is someone who was higher on you in the social pecking order of high school. I think my fear was just being bullied or widespread embarrassment. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so we meet we meet Colin, but we very quickly go out to the field <laughs> behind the school with a new metal soundtrack, even though this is 2009. And this is... Craig from the Melody Lane that we met when we kind of did the roundabout of all their school friends at the concert. Yeah. This is his friend. We actually saw him openly weeping in the classroom with J.K. Simmons yes. too and like his seatmate or the person sitting next to him was like put his arm around him and brought him in. It was like yeah, a really sort of a sweet guy. moment because his best friend, the Guardian of the Galaxy, just died. Uh, that wasn't his friend. It was the other guy. Oh, okay. I thought it was Chris Pine. I guess it wasn't. It's 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 not Chris Pratt. Because Chris Pine's not in high school. You're right. Yeah. It was the other guy. Yeah. There's another guy at Melody Lane in a Letterman jacket. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's who it is. His name is Craig. Uh, he tries to ask Megan out. She blows him off immediately, and he's like, Mwah. and then Melody Lane burns down. Yeah. This is Mikey from Harvard, and I practiced this ad for Factor in my car today. <laughs> Can you show us what you practiced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikey from Harvard in here. <laughs> Talk about Factor. <laughs> Nailed it. I have used Factor on and off the last couple of years, uh, especially since 2020. My work is very busy. I have a very busy day job. He does. I have a very busy hobby uh -huh. slash second job called podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so much work for you. <laughs> Eating healthy is hard. Cooking, I'm single. <laughs> cooking single is hard. And I've loved Factor. Factor. Other people, they ship you ingredients. You have to cook them. It takes a long time. Factor, they ship you fresh, never frozen meals. And it always only takes two minutes, which is like my favorite thing. I never have to think about how long it has to go in the microwave. It's two minutes. That's what my dating profile says. Always two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's helped me eat healthier, though. They have a bunch of like dietary options, like low calorie or protein or keto. Is it keto? Keto? Ket keto. <laughs> Mikey, you've said it wrong so many times, I'm not sure if I remember how to say it right. <laughs> it's keto, right? Keto. No, it's keto. It's keto. But anyway, Factor's amazing. <laughs> so just head to factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 and use code horrorvirgin50 to get how much percentage off, Mikey? Were you paying attention? 50. Damn. 50% off. Literally half off. That's code horrorvirgin50 at factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 to get 50% off. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Anyway, we watch as Jennifer walks up to this guy who's just openly crying on the football field next to the forest. Super sad. It's so sad. And basically is like, hey, I was there. I saw your friend. He said that he would have wanted us to be together. And she kind of just seduces him into the woods along with her uh, where they are making out she goes to take her shirt off i would have survived this movie same i would have survived as well because and this is probably why i'm like this is a great movie but it's not for me i find jennifer's character insufferable i wouldn't want to spend any time around her at all hundred percent like, i get that that is like fun for some people to see on screen because it like resonates with them does it for me well and sometimes she hypnotizes people sometimes not i think she should have like snake charmed all the victims i think she kind of does and we get a little bit more information about it with colin which we'll talk about when we get there i think the movie is pointing out that she doesn't have to because of how she looks and which I will say as, as... Or she does it, but just a different way, really. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone who was a teenage girl who was not a Jennifer and, and not societally... Sure. What society considered beautiful at the time. This feels very cathartic because I watched God knows how many dudes that were nice or whatever immediately abandon all of it. For the hot girl who treated them like shit. Oh, of course. M all the time. Oh, of course. Like do stupid things for, or or alternately at, at our school, all the guys liked this one girl and she was actually very, very nice. She just didn't like any of them back. They, they weren't what she was into, but they would have followed her anywhere. And, and like without even an acknowledgement that she actually liked them or whatever. And it was just this like, hip stupid hypnosis that as a teenage girl was incredibly frustrating <laughs> where you were just like man they really don't have brains i mean that happens on both sides of the field though Paige. i hate uh, to break it yeah. to you like there are plenty of times where like a you know a girl would break up with a guy because she wanted to date someone who she thought was hotter of yeah, course like, of course those are shitty people this yeah. shit happens on both. Like, that is high school high school is like figuring out that stuff well as my parents were going through quite a traumatic divorce at the time i didn't trust relationships or people or the opposite sex or anyone interested in me or myself so i'm just gonna go and turn back the counter on how many episodes since mikey's talked about his parents divorce there you go Shink. that's a stereotype from the show uh mikey you have <laughs> you have done it a number of times i will i will admit though that it's not as much as i've talked about my brother dying i yes yeah yeah, yeah. i use it as humor yeah not as much as my <laughs> brother yeah i need your trauma to get to the humor spot jesus <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me get to the the part where we can just joke about my brother dying. No, I mean everybody likes pretty people. Again, it's like yeah. a human thing. But like, there are very insufferable. There, there were a lot of very cute girls in high school that I would have been like, I don't talk to me. And I mean, there's still there's still people like that to this day. I, but I, I think as you get older, you have a nice 
healthy mistrust of people that develops. <laughs> I agree because I would never go into the woods with a high schooler. Well, I would <laughs> hope not. I wouldn't go into the woods with a stranger at all now. Yeah, yeah, fair. I don't even hike. They're not even going on hiking trails. Yeah, no, I mean like even at the time, I would not have gone into the woods with a Megan Fox looking girl. Because because I'm like, oh, she's going to kill me and eat my soul. I cannot even come up with a scenario in my mind where a stranger could talk me into going not on a hiking trip. I could see going hiking in like a popular area. I will give you that. This is just walking straight into the woods without a trail. Right. I can't even fathom a scenario when I would do that with a stranger. Murder. Or a friend. <laughs> I would be like, why are we going to the woods? Yeah, I don't want to do this. There might be spider webs. Anyway. He goes into the forest with her where she, all of the animals gather around her, which I think is kind of fun because we get like peeks at her powers. But the movie never explicitly is like it's this and this and this. But like the idea that all of the animals surround her to watch as she kills him is wild. It's wild, but it's also like too Snow Whitey to be scary for me. I like it. Well, I, I think it's scary. It needed to be scary animals, not just also rabbits and stuff. I mean, it was weird that a deer was eating him. <laughs> yeah. Late, like, like shortly after the scene when they reveal the body. Like that is weird. I'm sure there's a reason for it, but it would have been like wolves and like vultures and shit. See, I saw this as dominion over the animals. Yes. From like a demonic perspective, right? Oh, and okay. so that's why it's like. I think that that is what it is. Yes. I'm with Todd. I need it scary. I just be like, oh, all the wolves came down to watch her kill. Like that would have been cool. Yeah. But this makes it feel almost like Disney princessy, which I sort of like the dichotomy of. I love. So like, I don't hate it. I just, it felt weird to me. Um, but as she's killing him, he scream and like horrifying screams and J.K. Simmons hears it as he's getting into his car in the parking lot and he just goes, let it all out. <laughs> let it all out. <laughs> he's so good, man. He's so good in this movie. Oh, so good. Uh, we cut to Needy's house where we meet Spectre, her white ferret. This is the only time we see the ferret in the film. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. I mean, ferrets do feel like very Diablo Cody to me, and I can't exactly explain why. No, you know what? I'd agree with you, though. Like, I feel I get that as a vibe. You're like, of course, it's a ferret. I feel like Diablo Cody had a ferret and an ugly kid Joe poster on her wall growing up. And I can't explain it. But that's the Maybe. vibe I feel. All right, guys. I have I have a hot take here. Is your theory that it's her ferret, Mikey? Uh, no. Mine was more to piss everyone. I, I, I <laughs> don't trust a ferret owner or, you know, like. Oh, your take was controversial then is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I did date someone who had a ferret, Mikey. They smell, right? Yes. <laughs> no, they did not smell. But. They did cheat on me, so it's not a very big sample size, but they like let it out. It crawls on your shoulder. I'm just like, I don't know, dude. Like just you can be interesting some other way. Ah! <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I do think I think I think non-traditional pets take you on a path in life that ends up in bad places. You just gotta be very, very careful about it. It ends with you saying things like, I'll never financially recover from this while standing in your large cat zoo. I once overheard a phone call of someone saying, baby, I love you so much, I'll get rid of my snake. That man decided to come back into the light that day, Mikey. Uh-huh. He was like, you know what? Sex is better than Eduardo. His snake is named Eduardo. You know, I was dating a girl. <laughs> she had a guinea, like a, what are those big guinea, are they guinea pigs? The big herbal gerbils? 
<laughs> yeah, I think they are the big ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's well, they're not gerbils. They're guinea pigs. Like they're but, a yeah. different animal. One bit me and it drew blood on my finger, and I was just like, I have to break up with you now. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> I told that story. When she like made me hold it while she tried to cut its nails, and I was like, I don't consent to any of this. I think this is weird and too much. And it bit me. How long did you guys date after the bite? No. <laughs> Just no? I left that apartment that day. That was it? I knew what was happening. Did you ghost, Mikey? I didn't ghost. Okay. But she was like, I'm getting a second one. And I was like, I can't go with you on this journey. It's because they work better in pairs. Like they're a pair animal. Are they safe crackers? What do you mean they work better in pairs? There are some animals that their health declines if they don't have a companion. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Most animals, including us. Yeah. You were looking something up, Paige. Did you find it? Yes. Uh, no, I did not. There seems to be no information online about why there's a ferret in this movie. Okay. But moving on from the ferret, she's making a fried bologna sandwich, and that sounds amazing, right? Right now. I don't love bologna. I'm a level with you, but I would probably eat one. I only eat it fried. Todd, have you had real bologna, not store bought? No, I've only had when I was super poor, and that was all we could eat was bologna sandwiches. So if you get like a butcher's bologna or like like boar's yeah. head bologna, it's like it's like real good. I would try that. I would 100% honestly try that. So as she's making her fried bologna sandwich, she hears on the radio. That Low Shoulder, the band that Adam Brody is in, is basically taking credit for helping people out of the Melody Lane fire, uh, even though she knows they didn't. As that happens, J.K. Simmons finds the corpse of that football player in the forest. We cut back to Needy's house where Amy Sedaris, who is only in this movie for like a scene and a half, plays her mom. I know, but she's great in this movie. I love I love her. I love Amy Sedaris. She's great. Ugh. She is great. But I love that she's like, I had this dream that bad people tried to nail you to a tree with big stakes and shit, just like JC. And then she crosses herself. <laughs> I, I don't know why it's so funny to me every time people refer to Jesus as JC, but it tickles me in a way that says maybe I should start doing it. You should. Anyway. We cut to one of the scenes that was in the trailer for this movie, which is Jennifer swimming naked through the lake, like with her new brand new fancy body because she just fed. Yes. You don't see anything, though. And I think like a lot of guys, especially who went to see this movie at the time, were very disappointed by the cut of this scene specifically. Yeah. You know, what? I'll burn some fun facts right now. Do it. She is wearing a, a flesh colored bikini. In, in those scenes. Of course, yeah. Because it's so far away and she's underwater, you'd never notice. Yeah, you would never, never notice. There were a lot of clashes with the studio and the filmmakers, uh, specifically Karen Kasama, where Karen Kasama said in a 2016 interview with the New York Times that the marketing department so badly misunderstood the point of the movie that one of their marketing ideas was for Megan Fox to do live chats with amateur porn sites. Oh, my God. Yes. What? That is so counter to what this movie is saying and doing and yes. all of that shit. They're also high schoolers. Oh, my God. Yes. Karen Kusama shut it down, but she basically begged them not to even mention the idea to Megan Fox because, quote, she'll become so dispirited it was crushing because Megan loves this movie. This is her favorite of the movies she's made um, because it's not this, right? Right. But that's also why decisions around the trailer are basically 
the extreme close-up of the kissing and their tongues and the scene of her swimming. And it's like all of these things that are sexy for the male gaze that completely miss the point of the movie. But this was just one of those other things where it's like this scene is meant to be like, look at her. She's just fed. She's peak. Like she is re-energized yeah. from what we previously saw. And instead, the trailer is just like, look at this hot girl fucking naked in the lane. I mean, it is shot, at least at this time, the way you would shoot a man doing this scene, right? Right. Because <laughs> they wouldn't show you like full frontal or whatever of a man even now. Right. Uh, although today you probably get a full back shot of a guy. Sure. Just because I feel like sensibilities have changed a little bit since even this time, at least as far as like male nudity goes. I think it, we're more comfortable with it as a nation than we used to be. Sure. But she is shot in a very like powerful sense, not a very sexy sense in this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the point. For the record. Yes, 100%. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Regardless, Jennifer gets home. She calls Needy. And this is where she doesn't tell Needy exactly what's happening and that she's murdering and eating people, which we do see her do. I'll, I'll kill another fun fact. The original script was way bloodier. It would have been a hard R. Okay. Um, because it would have seen her tearing the bodies apart every time. Love that. Yeah, we only get that in like... We either pull away and we don't see it or it's in shadow on the wall. Like, we don't see it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, in this phone call to Needy, we see her. It's the very famous lighter scene where she's lighting her tongue, which was also in the trailer. But she's like, I'm having the best day since Jesus invented the calendar. And Needy's like, Jesus didn't invent the calendar. That was Julius <laughs> Caesar. Well, yeah, depending on which calendar you follow. I think he changed it from the 10 month to the 12 month calendar i don't think he even started the calendar concept no 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 that predates him of course so like and i please don't get me i don't fucking know like i go to a podcast whose sole purpose is that kind of thing to find that answer welcome back to who started calendars the podcast episode one <laughs> it's the only one i was thinking like a generalized <laughs> history podcast yeah, yeah. i'm yeah, dan yeah, yeah. Harmon with hardcore history in our seven part series on calendars yeah would listen Anyway, <laughs> Chip calls Needy and is like, hey, I need to see you right now. Can you come to the park and meet me? And we do, because she's cutting back and forth between him and Jennifer on call waiting, because that used to be a huge deal. I mean, it's still, you can still do it technically. It's just not super common. People just don't. Yeah. It's just not common. She pops back to Jennifer and she's like, does he have some real pubic inches? And I was like, ugh. <laughs> Like, <laughs> troubling but she goes to the park and and meets him and this is where she finds out that that other kid was murdered yeah but we cut back to school jennifer looks better than ever and we get like a montage of like them setting up vigils for the the kids singing the low shoulder song at a candlelight vigil yes finding out that the band is going to donate three percent of the song i do love what amanda says or needy the character says she's like what what happens to the 97 percent like, that's super crass. They're just, like, cashing in on our tragedy, which, like, she was there. She knows they didn't fucking help at all, and we know because right. we saw Adam Brody with his full glass of scotch right. in the parking lot. Like, so, But, like, the girl who was wearing the low-shoulder T-shirt, like, wasn't yeah. there, didn't see it, and believes the story. I read their it's on Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Exactly. <laughs> so funny. I loved it. And their logo is so, like, 
clip art basic it makes me laugh every time i see it's it. the traffic <laughs> sign yeah I know. it's yeah. so funny it's, it's just so like good. the low shoulder traffic sign and that's it but there's a lot of charities that do stuff like this a like, hundred you mean that are not great charitable organizations sure but i this rang very true to me for a town or a school that's suffered a tragedy yeah that everyone's kind of publicizing it in their own way charity wise and everyone's kind of trying to bond together but it's a weird time and this i think seemed true uh and i do love the multiple different mixes of the song that we get through this like montage where it starts out as like the band singing it but then it's the vigil singing it yeah then it's the instrumental version and it, but it like progresses through the song, which is very fun. Yeah. But by the time we get to the end of the montage, suddenly Jennifer's not looking so good again. And she's looking tired. Her hair is stringy and she's in a terrible mood. And she's just like, yeah, I'm so sick of this song. And Needy's like, hey, are you okay? Like, are you PMSing? Because you look bad. And I do love that she says, PMS isn't real. It was invented by the boy media to make us seem crazy. <laughs> Which P PMDD is what it's typically referred to as now is real. But I do think that is a funny line. It is a very funny line. Yes. Anyway, she does then comment, it must be wearing off or something. Yeah. Which is when they run into Colin in the hallway and she says, I forgot to read Hamlet. Can I take your English homework? Is he going to fuck his mom? <laughs> and he's like, uh, I, I don't, don't think, think so. so. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was very funny. And he is like, he asked her out. He asked Jennifer out. Yep. He's like, we've been having fun talking about Hamlet just now or whatever. Would you want to go <laughs> yeah. see a movie? And she like flatly turns him down. Do you want to go see Rocky Horror Picture Show oh. is what he asked. If I asked a girl to go see Rocky Horror Picture Show and she had said, I don't like boxing movies, I'd be like, you got it. Thanks for saying no. And then I'd walk away and never <laughs> talk to her again. So funny. She so did good. me a favor by turning me down. If you don't know what Rocky Horror is at this point, I can't help you. Yeah. I mean, it is it is a subculture. It is. Yeah, but it is it is film history. It's a subculture I fuck with, though. That's what I'm saying. Or if you were like, I haven't seen Rocky Horror. What's that? You can't say that because he hasn't seen real Rocky. That's true. He hasn't seen real Rocky, which I would also argue is cultural zeitgeist. Along with Rocky Horror. I think Rocky is more cultural zeitgeist than Rocky Horror. I agree. It is a subculture, but I like Rocky Horror. That's where I'm at. Just talk about the blatant hypocriticalness of this man not watching movies that are very famous. Wait, what do you mean? How am I being a hypocrite by saying that I... That's what I was saying. Be because you wouldn't go out with her because she didn't know what Rocky Horror was. Yeah. That's fair, though. I, as a teenager, <laughs> I in high school, I knew what Rocky Horror was. That's when I was introduced to it by my friend. Changed my life. Loved that movie. I was too young to go because most of our theaters, it was either 18 and up or 21 and up if they were serving booze. Oh, I, I honestly still have never gone to the theater to see Rocky Horror. The first time I saw it was in my friend's basement and then I bought it on DVD. Really? There's showings around here. That's the wrong way to do it. You should yeah. always go live. I want to. I'd love to, but they always go midnight showing and I'm like, fuck you. I gotta sleep. That's the only time they ever show it, bro. I no, know. And ain't nobody doing an 8pm Rocky Horror. What's wrong with you? I'd go though. People show up in, in fishnets and corsets. That's midnight activities. The Rocky Horror people just were like, I would never date him. Just now because of this conversation. <laughs> 
So you've never dressed up? I'm also not looking to date anybody. Like, I'm very happily taken. No, I just feel like you're not part of them now. They've they've out, they've ousted you because you've never dressed up and done, done yeah. gone on a showing and everything. It's it's a rite of passage. I think that I should, and I believe me, no one would love dressing up and going more than me. But I also think that that community is very welcoming and they wouldn't give a shit. I mean, yes, but they have rules. They have very specific rules. Here's the thing about communities. None of them are welcoming. Well, no, I, I, they're always happy to have new people. That's why there are traditions for new people. But it is there are rules for that community. And that's how the movie is meant to be seen. So, like... You know, it's it's to me, it's weird to watch Rocky Horror outside of a movie. Theater. Yeah, I just think the movie slaps. Why would you? It's not that great of a movie. It's an OK movie. I love the movie. You're crazy. I'm, I'm a fan. It's it, first act. Great. Second and third act. A lot of notes. But live, you don't notice it as much because you got activities. I love activities. I went and saw the San Diego Community Theater do Rocky Horror. That's fun. Like an actual live cast is fun. Yeah. So I went and saw it live. But again, please understand, it was the San Diego Community Theater version of it. And I was like, let's just go. I'll buy tickets. Yeah. It's going to be great either way because it's going to be a really bad Rocky Horror, which is great. Right. Of course. Or of course. it's going to be the San Diego Community Theater fucking nailing Rocky Horror and no one knowing. And to my shock, it was the latter. Like, I went back and saw it three times. It was amazing. Well, that I mean, I, I would venture to guess most of those people in, in that live performance have probably been in a shadow cast before because that's part of the theater experience is that there is also a shadow cast acting the movie out while the movie is happening and helping to direct the audience participation portions of the film. Oh, I would be shocked if they hadn't done that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing it's that. It was amazing. My sorority did it for Songfest the year before I pledged. Nice. But like on stage, very, very fun. But like the classic experience is theater, shadow cast, props, and activities. And you and you dress like BDSM, basically. One of the reasons the live performance was so good is because everyone brought props. I mean, it was like it was like seeing Oh, it. they let you bring props? Yeah. So like we were throwing spoons. <laughs> And shit Spoons. like Yeah we were doing crazy shit It was fun And toilet paper And cards And rice Anyway yeah. Back to this movie Colin is not gonna go out with her uh, But then Needy is like Oh Colin's actually really really nice We've been hanging out Je You mean Jennifer's not gonna go out with Colin right. Because Jennifer turns Colin down Yeah but yeah, yeah yeah You're right What you were getting to is that Needy sort of expressed an interest At least on some level in Colin And then Jennifer is like Oh well then maybe I'll kill him and then is like, hey, Colin, let's go out. I'll text you my address. So Colin asks her out. Jennifer says no. Needy shows some interest in Colin. And Jennifer immediately is like, oh, OK. And then turns around and asks him out. And I think it's a lot more about ownership over Needy than Colin. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Well, I mean, I've had a friend where I was like, I'm kind of interested in her. And then he immediately changes his path to intercept. Those are called not good friends. Yep. It's because they're not really your friends. They are your competitor. And to beat you, they have decided to keep you close. They are not like a good person. You don't want to be around those people. They are not your friends. Yes. I would say those people are not your friends. They're, they're shitty people. Yeah. Anyway, Chip invites Needy over to, to his house that night because he got more cost <laughs> condoms from Costco. Yeah. Hell yeah. 
The Kirkland brand, for sure. Cochlin's best. The Kirkland brand, because they used to come in a big box. It was like a, a joke at the time that Kirkland had like a giant Kirkland brand box of condoms. Cochlin's best. There you go. It's like a punt on the word. I'm going to go to Costco today. Just for regular stuff or anything in particular, Mikey? I don't need a giant box of condoms currently, but I do need <laughs> coffee pods. Ooh, coffee pods. <laughs> at, a good, at, a good, at a good price. That's like shit I go to Costco for, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we... Go into an intercut between Colin and Jennifer's date. And a lot of it's Colin trying to find Jennifer's house because she gave him an address. We will find out that it is an empty house that is not quite finished. Yeah, they're just being built. Yeah. Yeah. Versus Needy and Chip having sex in what I would say is a fumbling teenage sexual encounter, but also a very loving and caring sexual encounter. Yes, I'll agree, but it's clear that she has other things on her mind. Uh-huh. Or some sort of psychic connection. Well, and she does sense her earlier in the movie. Yes. You know, so like I think there might be some connection like that, Mikey. Some sort of psychic connection because she does sense that she has killed Colin or something in this scene. But we see the shadow of Jennifer's unhinged jaw. We see her eyes change. It's freaky. And then she basically shreds Colin. Yes. And Needy pictures it and ends up crying during sex and chip tries to be with her in that moment but he is a teenager who doesn't really know what's up i mean he also like thinks that he hurt her during sex yes which clearly she was not thinking and or even really super into what was happening in this room nope but needy leaves and she sees jennifer walking across the road covers and covered in blood and she tries to like hit her and with her car and run away from her jennifer like appears on her windshield fucking terrifying like jumps onto her windshield yes. cracks the windshield yeah it, that moment even though i knew it was coming is jumpy like it wasn't scary scary but it did scare me a little bit right needy gets home her mom is not home she has a flashback to jennifer's death and the kitchen she goes upstairs and who is in her room but Jennifer. Yeah. And thus begins the makeout portion of this movie that ended up in the trailer. But this is control. This is Jennifer trying to control Needy. There is an underlying context and subtext to this scene that is just that is beyond just like two girls making out. Like this is not wild things. It's not wild things. They're doing this for a reason that is not the male gaze. Right. Technically, there's a control element in wild things, but that movie is hundred percent shot with yeah, the male yeah, gaze yeah. in mind. Yes. Yeah. I agree, Mikey. But like, there's a subtext here that she's also being mind controlled as well. Like, there's some sort of snake charm going on as well. A little bit, yeah. Um, or maybe this is one of the first times that she has openly acted on that attraction. Because Jennifer does say in this scene, like, we always used to play boyfriend and girlfriend. We always used to share a bed, which would imply that there is an existing, at least attraction-based relationship between them that we have not seen. But this might be the first time it got to this point. Got to that sort of a physical level. There is a lot of tongue with this kiss. There's a lot of tongue. I have some fun facts about it. It's like Natalie and me at Chewy's. I know, right? All they needed was queso. <laughs> It was kind of like that. Was I was going to say another film example, like but it was exactly like that. <laughs> no. That cool ranch sauce just dripping out of y'all's <laughs> mouths as you tongue each other. What's cool ranch sauce? What the fuck is cool ranch sauce? Creamy ranch. And it's like ranch with like jalapenos cut up finely mixed in. It's really good, actually. 
Anyway, after they make out, Jennifer is like, here's what happened. So I basically got sacrificed to Satan and thus proceeds the funniest flashback in the entire movie. It's awesome. Where Adam Brody steals the film again because essentially they take her to Devil's Kettle and he is like, hey, sorry about it, but we're going to have to sacrifice you to Satan because if you're not on SNL or Letterman as an indie band, basically your only choice is Satan. <laughs> yeah. She's unhinged. But then my favorite part, because they can't, they keep messing up her name. Uh, but my favorite part is like, get the ritual. And it's just a printout from the internet that they folded and held on to. Almost like a map quest printout. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what you would have done at this point. Like you would have gone yeah. to your printer that everyone had in their house for like a 10 year time period. And print it out. Yeah, you young people, you don't understand directions because back in the day, you had to learn it. Like, you had to know it. Yeah. I mean, I would just print them out. Like, I, I remember the first time I ever took a trip by myself, Um, Map, I used MapQuest directions. MapQuest. But yeah. shortly after that, I was able to navigate on my phone. It, I, I only did that like one or two times. But you would print them out and just put them next to you in the seat. Yeah, I, I used to have to print them out uh, for a long time. And then I had a TomTom. Yeah, I don't know if either of you guys had a TomTom -tom where it was like just GPS. Yeah, I had a Knight Rider themed GPS. Oh my! I remember God. the Knight Rider theme. It had one. the red, and then because my name is Michael, right? So it'd be like, take a left now, Michael, because be the, <laughs> the voice of Kit was the voice. Very fun. But they have a printed out ritual and some of the guys at first are like, maybe I don't want to do it. And they're like, come on, what do we always say? And they just go Maroon 5. Maroon 5. Which also in 2009 was like a good time for Maroon 5, right? It was a great time for Maroon 5. But the implication that Maroon 5 had sacrificed a girl to Satan and that's how they became Maroon 5. Hilarious. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Also, Adam in, in in the lead, so like a lot of lot of parallels. Yeah, who was that one artist who always played at my college? Jason Mraz, not yes, Jason Mraz. <laughs> yes, that's the worst concert I've ever seen. I think that he had to have <laughs> sacrificed someone. No, his early stuff is really great, and then he had a really good album in the middle, but it is, I, no lie, the worst concert I've ever seen. I'm laughing so hard because I posted today. That this movie reminds me of a Jason Mraz song called If It Kills Me. I yep. did a post about that today in my I Instagram saw it stories. Today. And, and I was like, remember to tell Todd <laughs> that Jason Mraz is the worst concert you've ever been to. I honestly only like that one album. It's the We Dance, We Sing, We Steal Things album is amazing. Outside of that, I'm not a huge fan. I like his very, very first album, which uh, is yeah. oddly enough a little more folk rappy. And then we dance, we sing, we steal things. Is it's still folk rappy with a big band, like trumpets, trombones. Like I love that vibe. But that's the tour I saw, and it was terrible. <laughs> was it? Oh my god! I've never like, seen him live. I have no idea. You know, he might be awful live. But well, here's the thing: I am not a jam band person. I never will be. Me either. It's just not going to happen for me. I hate it. I don't care if you play new stuff at the concert, but like play some of the hits, please. He at one point played the same fucking song 
for 15 minutes straight. Yeah, that's what jam bands do. Yeah. Just noodly jam band nonsense. And with no lyrics, just like jamming. I was like, is anyone into the, just play the remedy, motherfuck? Like, why? Hey, you've got to go see Dave Matthews. I refuse. I said I wanted to hear hits. I've seen Dave Matthews like four times. Ew. Their drummer is amazing. I, I don't know how to explain it to you. Literally the best drummer alive today. I'd go see Carter Beaufort by himself. I, I like I don't care. That dude's amazing. Anyway, so in order to remember Jennifer's name so they can sacrifice her to become the next Maroon 5, yeah. which is their goal. They sing the Tommy Two-Tone song of like, Jenny, I've got, got your number. number. Oh, I need to make you mine. Hell yeah. And they stab her on the... No notes. And then they dump her into the kettle. If you're going to get a Tommy Two-Tone song, that's like the one you want. Like, that's the only one anyone knows of them. I was going to say, I was like, is there a different one? Because... That's pretty much the only one. Uh, anyway, so she then recounts that she showed up at Needy's house that night. She barfs the stuff in the kitchen, but she didn't eat Needy because she loves Needy. So she ate, she ran into Ahmed on the way home yeah. from Needy's house and ate him and then demonstrates to Needy. We cut back to present day within the story. She cuts her wrist with like a cuticle pusher and she just says, when I'm fed, I'm like unkillable. It's amazing. Needy is like, get the fuck out of my house like <laughs> that's what i would say too aggressively no yes. <laughs> yeah. get away from me i know we were making out just now but get the fuck out of my house right so she leaves and we cut to needy going to colin's funeral we we see them putting up the through the trees themed formal god i love i love it so much and like a lot of these montages are shot with like there's like cuts of like megan fox walking down the high school hallway and everyone's dressed in like sad cut like they're gray and dark colors and she because she just shines yeah 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 yes. she's wearing almost the same color sweater that Paige is right now like it's very similar just a bright and pink and like very loud and it looks great on you both yes but like it just makes her stand out so much it's great I love it a lot of like the high school target knockoff of Juicy Couture yeah is a lot of like what is happening in this movie it's amazing but she just stands out so much because everyone is grieving and she's just like super into what she's got going on and I love oh, yeah. people that are that oblivious to the world around them it is pretty fun but we cut to needy who decides to go to the library to do research and essentially lands on jennifer being either a succubus which i've got some fun facts about and fun facts nice or uh being just some sort of demon via demonic transference because she wasn't a virgin when they killed her right so they may be maroon five but now she's got these weird powers right but this is where chip comes up to her and is like hey i got our formal tickets and did you make the cheesecake factory reservations and i was like that's the most high school thing to do i know cheesecake factory anyway but she's like we can't do this because jennifer's gonna try and kill every it's gonna be like a buffet at the dance we can't go and he's like hey I love you, but I don't believe this. Yeah. And I care about you a lot as a person, but like, he's like, after we made, did four minutes of lovemaking or whatever he says, which is, <laughs> oh, oh, Chip. But they basically, they don't break up. 
necessarily, but she basically is like, I'm going to the formal, but not with you. Please stay home. Yeah. Because I'm going to keep an eye on her. I don't want you to get hurt. Yeah. She's not going there to attend the formal. She's going there to make sure her friend doesn't kill everybody. Right. Yeah. You don't bring a date to that. Yeah. But we cut to everyone getting ready for the dance, including her in a very 80s, bizarre dress. But I love it. It looks crazy. I think it's super in line with the like the theme of this movie, which is very sort of 80s throwback sat- satanic panic yes. to me. I was here for it. Uh, but we also have Chip getting ready, even though she asked him not to go. And his mom gives him pepper spray. And he's like, Mom, I'll be fine. I've been working out on the Bowflex. Fun throwback. <laughs> but then she says, do you remember what they said when they found Colin? And he's like, yeah, they said he looked like a lasagna with teeth, which is like, oof. Yeah. But he goes to the dance regardless. At the dance, Needy's already there. She beats him there. He ends up walking through the park with Jennifer behind him. And then she just kind of orbs up in front of him. Yeah. Meanwhile, Needy at the dance, they're like, we've got a surprise for you. Who's playing this dance? Low shoulder. And you're just like, yes, Adam Brody's back in the movie. (laughs) And honestly, this is the time you hear like the fully produced version of this song. And I was like, yeah, son of a bitch and slaps through the trees. I will find you. So stupid good. I hate it. I hate how much I like it. Like I am embarrassed how much I enjoy it. I'm still here (laughs) breathing now. Yeah. I'm still breathing now. It's so stupid good. I fucking hate myself. So stupid. But in the park, walking through, Jennifer tells Chip that Needy cheated on him with Colin. We know that's not true. Yeah, it's absolutely not true. It's part of how she lures Chip away to the old swimming pool on campus. Yeah. And Needy feels it psychically. So she runs there. She finds a corsage. She rips her dress. She gets to the pool and Chip has already been bitten and is dying, actively dying in the pool. Oh, yeah. Like even later in this scene says, I think I had died, but your voice brought me back. Like, so like he had already like slipped into passing out, you know? Yeah. Well, if you look closely at this scene where she's got some blood on her shoulder, you would say that she's got a chip, some chip on her shoulder. She does have Aww. some chip on her sh- her a shoulder. Little, You're right, Mikey. A little Mikey. bit of chip on yeah. poor young Neil. But <laughs> they pepper spray Jennifer. She barfs and she like floats. And he and Chip says she can fly. And Needy just says she's just hovering. It's not that impressive, <laughs> which is a crazy thing. To <laughs> and say. I love that Jennifer responds with, "Why are you always trying to undermine me?" Like I, I don't know. It just <laughs> yeah, felt why like are you such downplaying a, everything I do. It's, it felt like <laughs> such a silly conversation to be having while you're attacking and then hovering above your friends. Right. Well, and the fight they have here is Needy being like, "You were never a good friend. You never cared about me. Right. You hurt the people that I love." This ends now, basically. Yeah. And I do love that she's like, you could have anybody that you want. You specifically pick people that would make me mad just because you're insecure. And I love that she says, I'm not insecure. How could I be insecure? I was the snow queen. (laughs) She was like two years ago. And now you have to drink laxative to stay skinny. And that's what like really ratchets Jennifer well because Jennifer is insecure and she is accurately pointing it out so it triggers her yes yeah yes Uh, and she says fantastic almost ripped out of evil deadline of I am going to eat your soul and shit it out and you're just like yeah yes and Chip says I thought you only eat boys 
and she says, I go both ways before Chip stabs her with one of the poles from the, I, it looks like a discarded, like a water polo net pole or something. It's what the I pool think it was the boy net. uses yeah. to clean out yeah. the pool. Like it is a like a, basket on the end of a pole yeah. to like fish out dookies, like that kind of shit. Uh, so they stab her. She pulls it out and then she says, one of my favorite lines in the movie, and one time my roommate and I watched this on New Year's Eve and timed it so that at midnight it said this line, the, do you got a tampon? I figured you might be plugging. And we laughed our asses off, like right at midnight. It was the best. It is a very funny line. I was like, fucking Diablo Cody nailed it. That and you give me such a wedding. It's such a crazy line. It's so nuts. Yeah. But (laughs) she climbs out the window while Needy is left to basically stay with Chip while Chip dies, which is so sad. Yeah. So sad. But we then cut to where we started at the beginning of the movie where Jennifer's laying in bed. She clearly hasn't fed. Her hair is kind of falling out. But I love that she's got her yearbook open and she's just circling dudes she wants to eat and writing yum on it. <laughs> yes. Unhinged. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> but Needy comes back. And at this point, now that Chip is dead, the movie is like, no more innuendo. This is fully girlfriends fighting. <laughs> yes, it is. Because she shows up with a box cutter and she's like, you know what this is for? Cutting boxes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Megan Fox is like, Oh, I see you got all your murder weapons at Home Depot. How butch. I know. And you're just like, whoa. <laughs> oh, it's damn. Right. <laughs> Cross out Jennifer. Li- she literally puts an X on her stomach. Yeah. And it heals. Of course. But so they air fight. And then she grabs the BFF necklace, <gasps> rips it off of Jennifer's neck, and then stabs her through the heart. And we get a pregnant pause, like a, a longer pause. Yeah. Until Jennifer just goes, ow, my tit. <laughs> and she goes, no, your, your heart. heart. I was like, hell yeah, I love this. I do think Jennifer gives up with like the last bit of her humanity here and lets her kill her. Oh, maybe. I mean, you could read it that way. Because when she rips the necklace off, she stops floating and falls. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's like the one person I thought I had control over. Now I do not, maybe. No, I thought it meant like I regret like her the last bit of her humanity, which is okay. Like I've hurt everyone, even this the person that I actually loved. Interesting. I, I feel like I never read Jennifer as that self-aware, but I could see that. I think she just gives up. Like, I think if she has to live in a world where she is not better than needy, she doesn't mm. want to live anymore. That's fair. But her mom, Jennifer's mom, opens the door with as needy has, like, the box cutter in Jennifer's chest. Yeah. And just, like, pulls it out. There's blood everywhere. But we cut to her in the facility that she has been housed in in solitary because... I would assume the movie's not explicit about it, but I would assume she got blamed for all the murders. I would assume so as well. Yeah. But she also reveals that she got bit by Jennifer, which we saw in the pool, which allows her to float and kick out that window and escape from solitary. And as she walks down the side of the road, she sees where everything dumps out from Devil's Kettle and finds the knife that they killed Jennifer with. But that's also, I would assume, how Jennifer survived. They dumped her in Devil's Kettle. She came out here. Exactly. By the way, the knife scene where he's like, yeah, it's a Bowie knife. And his bandmate goes, Bowie, nice. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love that. It's so funny. Um, But she hitchhikes 
and gets into a car with Lance Henriksen, who then takes her to see Low Shoulder. And then in the credits through photos, we see that she basically went after Low Shoulder and murders the entire band. And that's the movie. So having seen the movie and they talked about the movie, what'd you guys think about Jennifer's body? Cult classic. Love it. Definitely is. Yeah. I like the movie, but I, it's not for me. So it's like, I would watch it if someone wanted to, like I wouldn't be against it, but I wouldn't seek it out if that makes sense. But I do agree. It's a good movie. Yeah. No, I think it is a modern cult classic and I'm glad that we are having some of those. It's not yeah. for me. Like some of the old cult classics are not for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big Rocky horror guy because of the whole, you know, music, music. Yeah. <laughs> but Tim Curry, though. Tim yeah. Curry. He's so good in that movie, guys. He's good in every movie he's in. I agree. Yeah, so I, I appreciate its value. It's just uh, I, the last two times I've watched it, I've been forced to for the podcast. So that's probably <laughs> one of the reasons. <laughs> If some of the times when we pick movies, it feels like homework because I haven't had like an inkling to watch it in a while. And I know I'm like, okay, gotta gotta try to stay positive when I have that feeling come up. Yeah. I think this is a horror movie made for women. Like, I think so too. Definitively so. 100%. Yeah. And so, like, hey, I get that you guys are not the target audience and I aggressively am the target audience. And that's fine. I agree. But yes, I love this movie. Yeah. I mean, I I hope it feels to you like some films feel to me, which is like someone like reached into my mind and made a movie just for me. And I think people does. I think all types of people deserve to feel that way. I think this is close. I think there are still things I might change about this movie, but I I feel like I enjoyed it at the time, and I enjoy it more every time I watch it because I find little bits and pieces of things that I like about it. I feel like I might have to go if it's out today or soon. I think I need to go watch the new one because I saw the trailer for it. Didn't know it was Diablo Cody. and was like, that looks fucking lit. And then found out it was Diablo Cody when I was doing fun <laughs> facts. And I was like, hell yes. So maybe that'll be the one that's like exactly for me. But I this is pretty damn close. I would say nice. like you're Charlie St. Cloud. <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking about there was some crossover with some fun facts because it was around the same time as Charlie St. Cloud as I was going through fun facts I was like man what a weird time in life oh man I will never recover from that Charlie St. Cloud episode I'm gonna be honest with you I have not laughed that hard in so long I don't know if I've ever had as much fun recording with you two as I have that episode if you guys haven't heard that Charlie St. Cloud episode of Romance in the Pod. Go listen to that. You'll lose your mind. It's like someone reached inside my mind and was like, what's really something really weirdly specific that would make Michael laugh for four hours? Yeah. I I went and watched a bunch of Law & Order yesterday. I basically just watched Law & Order and crocheted almost all day yesterday. But there was (laughs) one episode where a guy had like bought a used ambulance and was causing car accidents <laughs> to then rape people in the ambulance. And the se- I'm like watching it and I'm like, Mikey's right. There is only room for one gurney in there. Like, what is happening? It's <laughs> 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 like, damn it. I have <laughs> like, laughed about that. He wasn't wrong. When did we record that? Like Thursday or Tuesday? It was I Friday don't know. night. It was literally two nights ago. Yeah. Two nights I have ago. laughed all weekend about some of those conversations. <laughs> and I'll just like be making coffee and like giggling. Like I'm just like, <laughs> damn, that movie's so funny. It is. But Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I have a lot of fun facts. Well, hit us with your fun facts. Buddy. Jennifer, fun, fun facts. facts. Plug in, fun fact. <laughs> so Megan Fox says this is her favorite of her movies. Nice. And again, despite mixed critical reception initially in a bad box office performance, which we'll get to in a bit. Yeah. 
this movie has gained such a strong cult following that there is that 2016 article with Karen Kusama that's basically like the studio failed this movie and now it's a cult classic. Which I would agree with. Like, I think that they, if they had marketed it correctly, yes. you know, it, it would have made more money than this movie did. But it also gained an unofficial musical adaptation in 2018. What? And when can we see it? I have no idea. I did not even know that. I found it in Fun Facts. I imagine it's kind of like the Alien musical that it like it's a community theater thing that they sure. kind of do. And it's like a fun viral thing. But whatever. Yeah. When Megan Fox was playing unfed Jennifer, they actually had to shoot them separately uh, because in order to do so, she lost 15 pounds. What? And she's already very very thin yeah but she weighed 97 pounds good lord uh, that's real small yes and stayed out of the sun for four months to keep her skin pale so they shot a lot of that first good and lord. then she gained the weight back and they shot the rest of the movie i mean she does look sort of like emaciated when she is yes um unfed i'll let's call it that right Right. Well, technically, that is the definition, right? Right? Yes. No, I, I think so. Yeah. Right? I think it was done on purpose. Anyway, uh, so Amanda Seyfried also says that this is her favorite movie that she's done. Okay. But she also has commented that she really enjoyed doing the makeout scene with Megan Fox and that she thinks, at least in her, her beliefs, uh, she thinks that they had like a bit of an attraction at the time. Uh, nothing ever came of it, but she said that they both really enjoyed doing those scenes. So, okay. According right. to them. We'll file that away for later. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. The black Newtonian fluid uh, is Hershey, Hershey's chocolate syrup. Okay. Uh, with CGI laid over it. Okay, cool. So in original drafts of the script, uh, the sexual tension between Needy and Jennifer was way, way stronger. And the makeout scene was a full-blown love scene between them. And it was much more extensive. But Fox put pressure on them to cut it down. It was an argument with the studio. Look at idiots, man. I know. The studio wanted all lesbian overtones removed from the film. And Karen Kusama and Diablo Cody fought the studio to keep the sexual exploration subplot in because they considered the point of the movie and the strongest element of the movie to be how needy struggled against her feelings toward Jennifer, yeah. both as a friend and more. And that's the main conflict of the story. So they did win that battle with the studio, but then the studio of course exploits that a little bit in the marketing because I think the studio just didn't understand this movie at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the movie's title is from the song Jennifer's Body by Hole, Courtney Love's band. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Diablo Cody did write this in 2006, the same year she wrote Juno. There are a few other people, other actresses that were considered for the role of Needy, but and a few other that were considered for Jennifer. Do you want to take any guesses? Oof. No, I don't know. I mean, I honestly would have no idea at this time who you would cast. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, so Emma Stone... And Brie Larson were both considered for Needy. Okay, I could see that. Okay, I could see that on Needy. I think Emma Stone is the complete wrong choice because I feel like she's too charismatic in a way. She's too over the top. Brie Larson, I could definitely see. Yeah, I could see Brie Larson in either role. Me too. Brie Larson's pretty great. Brie Larson's amazing. I would see her more as a Needy. Blake Lively turned down the role of Jennifer because of scheduling conflicts with Gossip Girl. 
And I think we should all be grateful for that. Because as much as I love Blake Lively, I think this is Megan Fox's role. I think Megan Fox does a great job. I don't think anyone else could have done it. Jennifer's last name, Check, was supposed to be a placeholder. <laughs> and it was it was because Diablo Cody used to use the phrase Check to express the filling of various required roles. Jennifer, Check, Needy, Check, and so on. Oh, that's funny. And they never filled in a last name. <laughs> uh, there is a director's cut of the film uh, with five extra minutes of footage that basically adds to the love scene. And it was pulled out of home release in Australia due to the graphic sex scene and violence. I've seen the director's cut. It doesn't seem that much more graphic to me personally, but, you know, that was the thing at the time to sure. release director's cuts. Yeah. Yep. Anita, who is Needy's full name, they named her Needy because she wanted her to be the subservient friend and to have that right. reflected even in her name. So that's why her name is there. Um, oddly enough, in the initial draft, even though the sexual tension was more explicit, the sex scene was not so it's there's like multiple drafts of this the initial draft no sex but a ton of sexual tension that is blatant yeah middle draft still blatant sexual tension full sex scene final draft that ends up as the movie uh we get the makeout scene and then a little bit more vague on the sexual tension but a lot of those changes come from fighting with the studio yeah now let's talk about succubuses for a second or succubi as a plural. So mentioned in Jewish, Gnostic, Christian, and Sumerian mythology and theology, uh, it said that the succubus seduces men and has sex with them until they are drained, essentially draining their semen or blood, depending on your mythology. Yes, I remember sex ed, yes. Right. Some people have claimed that the character of Lilith is a succubus. Slander. But that brings us to the very first draft of this script that was much bloodier and a hard R because it had Jennifer not only tearing all of her victims limb from limb, but eating their testicles specifically. <laughs> what? Yes. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Like ripping them off and, and eating them. Tell me more. Okay. I think that's a scary concept. Uh, it's very scary. As, yeah, yeah, I agree. As, as a means for like taking in their sperm, basically. This movie was on the 2007 blacklist right after Juno came out. Okay. Um, So it had a lot of heat. I mean, with Juno, it would have gotten made regardless, basically. Oh, of course. But uh, one of the main things they also wanted to explore was contrasting traditional horror gender roles where men are typically the aggressor um, with women seen as fr fragile and vulnerable. This movie, they wanted to do the opposite. And we see Jennifer prey on not just frail men, but also like the bigger football player or chip at like, even though he has a weapon with like the, the, you know, pepper spray basically to kind of turn that convention on its head. Yeah. Uh, Low shoulder was the fictional name given to the band in the movie in real life, the band was known as No Country. And this is the band playing behind Adam Brody. They were called No Country from 2009 to 2014 when they changed their name to Wildling. Uh, before No Country, they'd been known as Test Your Reflex from 2004 to 2009. And Reed singer Ryan Levine wrote most of the original music that's heard in the movie, including the Through the Trees song. There's also a cameo from Diablo Cody in this movie. She's one of the bartenders. At, at Melody Lane. Can I just say this? Okay. Ryan Levine and Adam Levine of Maroon 5 are not related. I just had no, to Google it. But they are not related. They are not related. Uh, just like the Richards Levy right. from When a Date with Tad Hamilton, also not related. <laughs> exactly. Um, another example of the bad marketing for this movie, 
The first poster for the movie was unveiled July 2008 at San Diego Comic-Con, billed again as like a shocking new movie from the person who made Juno, and all it showed was Jennifer licking a drop of blood from her lips. Yeah, okay. Seductive. Way to miss the point, guys. Yep. Okay, I'll end on this one because this one is pretty fun. Okay. The gazelle guy, the fitness personality, Tony Little, is mentioned, uh, and a clip of his infomercial is in the movie. Uh, that is actually a callback to Juno, where in Juno, I believe it's Alice and Janney is the one who talks about getting a gazelle, the Tony Little gazelle. Okay. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little bit about box office. So what do you think the production budget was for Jennifer's Body when it came out in 2009? I have to recuse myself. Okay, Mikey, what do you think it is? $25 million. It was actually... $16 million, but if you adjust for inflation, Mikey, that is $22.8, almost $22.9 million today. Now, this movie came out on September 18th, 2009. It was number five in the theaters that weekend. It was beat by Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. The Informant was number two. Number three was I Can Do It All By Myself. Number four was Love Happens, and five was Jennifer's Body. What do you think Jennifer's Body made in its opening weekend? I have to recuse myself as well. Okay, Mikey. $10 million? You're close, but a little bit high. It was $6.8 million in its opening weekend. It was in theaters for a total of 10 weeks, but was only in the top 10 for the first two weeks it was out. It fell pretty quickly to much lower than that, but it was in the theaters for 10 weeks. How much do you think it made in that? 10-week time period domestically. $30 million? Okay, Paige, do you have to recuse yourself? No, I don't know this one. I'm actually going to say 15 Paige, you are closer. It's $16.2 million, which is just barely above the budget. But I think it got saved internationally because it did make $15.7 million internationally for a total of $31.9 million. And if you adjust that for inflation... That would put you at 45.7-ish million dollars today. So it probably did make money in theaters, but only because of the international market. It did also make almost $9 million in domestic DVD and Blu-ray sales. So it did okay, but it, I, I'm sure this was a huge disappointment for the studio because they thought Diablo Cody was writing a Juno and she wasn't. Yeah. So like that's on them. But that is your box office. So, Mikey, do you want to hit us with that scary scale? Yeah, our scary scale listeners scale 1 to 10 how scary we found the film we watched it today. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Paige. Oh, this is a one for me. Todd. It's also a one for me. It's a one for me, too, and that's our scary scale. So, this week, Paige, it was your pick, so you made us watch Jennifer's Body, and thank you so much for that. It's my pick next week and then the listeners pick because that's how we're progressing through this revisited month but i wanted to revisit a movie that i don't think either of you were on i wasn't on this one and i'm very excited to do it i wasn't on it either oh you weren't okay good 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 but it's a hell of fun movie called the lost boys so that is I'm your so homework excited. for next week is to revisit the lost boys good pick. and then check back in for those Fresh takes from Mikey and Paige. The Lost Boys is like bonkers. It is. Oh, it's nuts. I love it. Yes. I love it. Yes. <laughs> there has never been a movie as brave as to include a shirtless saxophone singer again. And yeah, I think true. that is to pop culture's detriment. I agree. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Ooh, forgot about that. Well, while you're looking one up, let me read one of the Spotify comments we got under our Carrie Revisited episode that just came out on Monday. And this one is from... 
uh, Maggie DV, and she says, I couldn't resist laughing at, <laughs> laughing at the telekinesis discussion to the point where my coworker asked what happened. The best description I could give is that Mikey is a chaos gremlin sometimes. Yep. Sorry, I had not read that one before. <laughs> I, I started reading it. And yes, I agree, Maggie. Yes, he is a chaos gremlin. And thank you to everyone who sent me pictures of the Titanic on top of that one statue. <laughs> <laughs> I made one of those for our social posts. It was too funny. Yeah, You did. You did. It, it's really fun. So, Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week, though? Rachel 1812. Well, what does Rachel 1812 have to say? She says, great energy, exclamation point. Okay. Uh, that's the title. Short review. I love these three great voices, legends in our time. Five stars. I'll take it. Thank you so much for that awesome five-star review and awesome Spotify comment. And if you want to have Mikey or I read those, leave us one. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including today. TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm -hmm, than the regular mm -hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me, but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode also brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenager's been, like, driving her crazy, so how is Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week? She keeps burning her tongue with a lighter. You mean vaping? <laughs> is that what vaping is now? Is that what the kids are calling it, Mikey? Yeah. Well, Tia, be on the lookout for, I guess, vaping. But also, thank you so much for the support. This episode was also brought to you by Jonathan, and Jonathan wants me to make you guys watch some videos, so I'm going to do that right now. All right. Oh, yeah, I heard about this. I got a ton of, of pings about this in cult podcasts. Oh, yeah? yeah. This video is called A Company Selling Christian Ouija Board to Talk Directly to Jesus. Oh, my God. Why does this exist? I hope it's a prank. Has Russell Crowe approved this? I need Father Amort's opinion on this. I Okay, so, like, I don't prescribe to this belief set, but you two do. 
Is this not like in the demonic still shouldn't fuck with it arena though? Yeah, you should absolutely not do this. This is still don't fuck with it, Arena. It's yes. like a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Yeah, because you don't know if it's Jesus that you're talking to. Exactly. Wolf and lamb, lamb's clothing. Well, yeah, whatever. Either way, Jonathan, thank you so much for bringing it to our attention. And as obviously, thank you for the support. We now return you to another episode of uh, The, the Patreonicals. And Mikey, I just edited the Collector Patreonicals like a day ago. That is the most unhinged Patreonicals I think has ever been. I've developed a plot line. Heck yeah, let's go. Today we're going to start with Laura, who is a giant melting fudge monster. She, The fudge pulls back to reveal a robotic hand with the device coming out of it and then she runs around everybody's fighting isaac comes up with his black licorice armor she hits him with that and he scans away like like electronically like a computer like like deletes and then kate comes up with her psychic powers and throws some more of the fudge off where you see more of this big robotic kind of thing and then kate gets zapped and disappears <laughs> Karun and Natasha were making love to create more of those alien babies, and they get zapped. He's gonna make love to Natasha. Uh-huh. He's gonna make some alien babies. Uh huh. Lara zaps them. They disappear. People are freaking out. Uh, candy rock, candy arrows are flying through, and the Lara, the giant monster disappears. Comes up behind him, zaps her in the face, and Aaron disappears. I'm sensing a theme. I feel like we're being banished to a different realm because Mikey's done with candy. No, it's a, I've got a plot twist. Oh, okay. Can't wait. I felt inspired since watching Charlie St. Cloud, a perfect (laughs) piece of art. They've all been transported into one ambulance, but only one of them can strap down. Why have one twist when you can have more twists? That no, none of them make sense. <laughs> Jeremy's laser eyes. Are, are they all dead, Mikey? They're not all dead. They're astral projecting, Paige. God, this is like a Charlie St. Cloud reference. Y'all just need to calm down. We're going places. Okay, okay. We'll leave it alone. Edward, who's a walking apple pie, gets stepped on by the giant fudge <laughs> monster and zapped and disappears. What the fuck? Madeline, who's doing cartwheels, is harder to catch because she creates frosting, but she is zapped. Vixen Avery shoots her machine guns right into the fudge monster, but the robot inside regenerates the fudge, and then she smokes one last candy cigarette as she is zapped away. <laughs> okay. Sex Excalibur, who is now a giant talking macaroon. Maybe I should stay in Candy World, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fun, right? Now that we all have them all decided. Yeah. <laughs> they get zapped away. River Moon creates a chocolate bomb and throws it at the fudge monster, but it almost blows her up. In fact, she loses a leg. What? It snaps right off. And then the fudge monster zaps her with her robotic appendicite out of there. Jesus. <laughs> I, I don't even know what half my notes from last week mean. All right, Sunzi, who is something <laughs> with gum. Yeah, Sunzi, just his mouth is always generating more gum. <laughs> that's right. That's what that was the most insane thing I ever heard you say. <laughs> it's really fun. Like, last episode of the Patreonicals is fucking unhinged. I love it. <laughs> he, he gets zapped. He gets, they get zapped. They're zapped away. Sunsy zapped. Mr. Rage Bomb shooting pop rocks at the, the at the thing. And then the warheads goes right in the, into the fudge monster's mouth, which makes it choke. But then the, the fudge melts away, and it's a Terminator face. And it zaps 
uh, Mr. Rage Bomb. <laughs> Libby has a oh yeah, dressed like Willy Wonka, so easily zapped, and has no special powers from these notes that I have. <laughs> Jeremy's laser eyes cut off the robot appendix because he's still got laser eyes, but it crawls back onto the fudge monster in the bottom and comes out again, reattached to the Terminator body. Of course, and then he gets zapped. Bo, Easy, and Allie are running away on their jet ski. Uh, and then Wes catches a ride with them, but they are all quickly drowned in fudge and zapped underneath the fudge. And everybody wakes up, and it's like Tron. They're trapped <gasps> in an electronic Tron They're like in a world. computer. I know what's happening. That's why they were zapped out like a tube TV. Yeah. Laura says, I'm not a bad guy, but you have been trapped in a simulation for years. What? And I'm in here with you. Well, I guess we'll have to wait until next week to find out what is outside of the simulation question mark on another episode of the, the Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have an amazing week. Bye. Jennifer, body, yaddy, 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 nerds. I do really like that song. I fucking love Megan the Stallion. Just full stop. All of it. <laughs>